Let's get it going. It's time to get up. Well, stays in at running back. Twist by the Browns up front. Slant. Cut Kelsey at the 10. Five angling left. Dodge into the end zone. Touchdown. Kansas City. These guys are here to break it all down. Doesn't matter what I say, Mike. You're going to write every time. No, so it doesn't matter what you say. Uh, yeah, it feels different. I mean, we got four points out of the first two games. Uh, I, I wasn't even going to answer your question because you are such a weasel. It's not even funny. Next question. Let's have a little fun and make you a winner. Boy, that escalated quickly. This is the starting lineup with James Zabolski and Perry Solkowski. You know, it kind of flew under the radar by the time the end of the weekend rolled around here. But man, oh man, Jacob Voracek kind of stole the Kind of stole the show this weekend, did he not, for the Philadelphia Flyers with that epic rant on a reporter? Not that we as media colleagues like to see fellow media types getting sewered, but man, Jacob Voracek, Jake the Snake on fire. Uh, and good morning to you. Yeah, you know what? I had that in the PS as uh, uh, soon as I saw it, and uh, then I'm watching a hockey night in Canada. Go, Jeez, they're using it. So I think enough people have heard it. If you haven't, yeah, that was kind of cringeworthy. And the oh, so that's what Zoom can be because sometimes when you're face to face, it adds that element to the reporter when they go, you're going off a little bit. But Voracek, who is honest as you get, just all right. You weasel, and I think Balak probably found the uh, sound that probably is the one five or six seconds where he wasn't dropping F-bombs at that guy. Give him credit. He, he answered the questions. Like, he, he goes, I wasn't going to, but I answered it to him. Yeah. Uh, feisty. Hockey is back. And so are the players with some attitude. <laughs> and then some. Yeah, what's happening? How you doing, everybody? Uh, welcome. Rise and shine. This is the starting lineup here on your home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. James Sabalski, Perry Solkowski, and Greg Ballack with you here until 9 o'clock this morning here in Metro Vancouver. Kicking it on this Canucks game day. It's round two of the Canucks and Flames. And we're going to be breaking that down and looking ahead to that one all day long. Ryan Leslie from Sportsnet Calgary will drop by in an hour. We'll also talk to Corey Hirsch on our Canucks commute coming up at 8. Uh, we'll hear from all the key ingredients as we say, welcome back, J.T. Miller and Pear, not a moment too soon. J.T. Miller, private jet. J.T. Miller, your private jet is ready. Please come help. We didn't look good on Saturday. Our power play can't score. J.T. Miller, your jet is ready. Gee, surprising news, um, but they need them. My problem with this Seaball is, Really, should that much hinge on one guy? Like, should that much hinge on one guy? Berkey always says this team's top-heavy, meaning up front, if you lose someone, you don't have a lot to replace them. I think we've seen that a little bit. I think JT Miller is sitting watching that game Saturday, and I'm wondering if it's JT. The plane's ready to roll Sunday morning if we lose. JT, if we win, just stay there. We won't worry about it. Um, so he comes in for the rescue call. Uh, good for him. He, you know, he is the guy that gets them going. He was their MVP to me last year, and it's just consistency that they're missing. Now, I don't know if we pull back the curtain and go, there he is, number 40's back too, because number nine's back, and Besser's been good. But this hockey team needs a boost right now, and they get it in the form of JT Miller. Well, and not and not just the team, as you kind of alluded to. I think the face that runs the place needs a little boost as well when you talk about Elias Pettersson, who just hasn't looked Petey-like, I would say, through the first three games of this season. You know, it, it's early. It's a small sample size. I get it. I don't think there's a need to panic just yet when you're 1-2 and two to start the year. 
but it just hasn't looked right. And the discussion coming into the season, there was a glaring hole in the top six uh, trying to replace Tyler Toffoli. Niels Hoaglander hasn't looked out of place thus far, but man, oh man, uh, this is a team that could use a little more scoring depth. When you look at the numbers and the names who have scored, you're not getting much at all from your secondary group from the bottom six. And really, um, it's kind of a top-heavy lineup, as you alluded to. So JT Miller gets back, and this guy is hes such a catalyst, and not just on the ice pair, but, but off it as well, right? Like He's kind of the vocal guy. He fires everybody up in practice. He's always yapping. I think we got to see a lot more come playoff time as you saw the videos in the bubble, the way he'd do the player introductions for the team in the postseason. But just that sort of spiritual engine that kind of fires the team up. You know, Bo isn't necessarily the rah-rah type captain. Miller brings that. But then he he also engages on the ice. He grinds. He smashes. He pounds. He contributes. He fires in offensively, setting up. And, and I'll tell you what. I mean, if you want to talk about the value of this guy, Perry, they're 0 for 11 with the man advantage to start the season. 0 for 11 chances for a team that was a top five man advantage unit in the National Hockey League last year. And you take him out of that power play and you've replaced him with a kid who's playing his first three games in the NHL. And I like Hoaglander. He's great. But when he's a little bit of your net side presence on the power play, that's a little bit of an issue, right? You know, Miller talked about us, and I love that kid. He's really strong, even though he's small. Well, you need someone a little bit bigger because if you can't score, the least you can do is get in front and make some mess, and and that's what they need. And you're right off the ice, too. You know, I would suggest, other than JT Miller in that room, the one vocal guy was going to be the guy who's playing goal for Calgary. Like, Markstrom had that kind of affair. Okay, I'm, I'm going to talk, and I'm going to put it out there for you guys. So he's gone. You lose Tanner, uh, Chris Tanev, and, you know, Nate Schmidt is a talker, but I think at some point you want to just feel comfortable. Nate Schmidt is still in a what's-my-new-team-like period because it's not like he's had any big standout games in this first week as well. So J.T. Miller arriving is great, but I don't think you can have concern, James, to how they've played. But when you can't score in the power play and you're taking some penalties and your kill's not great, that's going to leave you in a little bit of a funk. And every time you lose the first game of a series, as they did on Saturday, you look at tonight and go, hmm, you know, we're, we're talking early. We'll get into what the Oilers situation without a goaltender. You go, well, there's no easy nights here. Hey, we saw that by the Ottawa Senators and the Toronto Maple Leafs feeling, man, we better win on after losing Friday night. There is not an easy night in the Canadian division. So you can ill afford to have a power play, but they can't score in three games. You can ill afford to have some bad goaltending. So help comes on the way in JT Miller, but it doesn't make anything easier because that's a rock-solid one-through-four lineup that the Calgary Flames have. Uh, I'll tell you what, the Flames look deep, you know, and that's the one thing. It's it's balance, right? You you question whether or not they the star players are elite enough these days after what we've seen the drop-off from Johnny Goudreau or Johnny Hockey and Sean Monaghan, but I think the story here in the early part of the Flames season is, you know, do they now have a new top line? And is that Elias Lindholm and Matthew Kachuk, who are starting to contribute and off to a great start? Tell you what, that Dylan Dupe one-timer on Saturday mm-hmm. night was just absolute filth. I, I think Braden Holtby's been fine the first couple of games, but the goals that were scored by the Flames 
Oh, my goodness. You know, with the Dubé goals, particularly the second. I mean, they're all on the man advantage. So hopefully JT Miller coming back not only kickstarts the power play, which is 0 for 11, uh, but you also have a penalty kill unit that is absolutely sputtering right now. I'll get into it a little bit more coming up at 630, but they're just 64% in their success rate right now trying to kill penalties, and they've been shorthanded 14 times already through the first team uh, for the first three games like you got to tighten that up you know you've got to be tightened up uh, from a penalty killing standpoint your special teams have not been special right and we talk special teams way more in the national football league and football and in terms of contributing whether you have a good kicker good punter return guys you know it is imperative in the national hockey league you got to strike and look at the canucks success last year on that man advantage pair and they have zero success with what they've done so far when they have that extra attacker out there well, that's it. You said the penalty kills at 64%. You like to take your penalty kill ratio and then what your power play ratio is and see how close you get to 100%. And they seem that seems to be okay. If you're, if you're running around 80 and 20, that, that's fine. That's what they look for. Um, it's, it's early, but early means while you're figuring things out five on five, take advantage when you get advantage. And they haven't been able to. And let's not beat around the bush. Number 40 hasn't been very good. He's supposed to be one of the best players. We should be looking for him jumping over the boards going, what's he going to do now? Whether he's playing four on four on the power play or five on five going, okay, this line's unstoppable. Yes, they were missing number nine and they get him back. But are you telling me how long did we watch the Sedins and one of them go down and go, well, it really didn't affect the other. Surprised at the slow start Pedersen has had. I think he's as surprised as well. And we started this thing as it's Connor McDavid, it's Pedersen ready to go. You know, one of the best players and most exciting players to watch. He can't be happy with his first 180 minutes in the NHL because he has not gone on the ice, grabbed that puck, and said, here's what I'm going to do, taking penalties because you can't stop them. And at the end of the day, it doesn't matter how good your team is. If your best player is not the best player on your team most nights, and I would argue he's been maybe top five if you have to go that deep to say, yeah, no, he was good tonight. Uh, that's not going to get a dump for this team. It's been a criticism-free zone when it comes to talking about Elias Pettersson through the first, what, two and a half seasons in the National Hockey League. You know, he kind of went MIA down the stretch his rookie season, that final quarter of the year. But I think you could suggest, hey, he's a rookie, and at the same time he was coming off an injury in the new year or he missed some time, and that may have impacted him. But it's three games, again, small sample size, but this is the first time we've kind of seen Canucks fans go, hey, like, where's Petey? And I don't say anybody's mad, but I think you're kind of waiting to say, if you're in the conversation to be one of the best players in the league, then you got to show us that. And we've seen a lot of the best players in the league already assert themselves in the first couple of games of the season. McDavid had his night, right? You know, Breadman's doing his thing. Like, we're seeing those stars kind of shine early and often already here, Pear. We haven't seen that from Petey just yet, but he gets JT Miller back, and maybe that helps. We got the lotto line back together again tonight, right? And I think that's a huge difference for the Vancouver Canucks when you've got one of your best players on the team back in the lineup. And here's what JT Miller had to say when he spoke to the media yesterday on on the difficulty of dealing with the past week. I just try to worry about things I can control. Obviously, playing with uh, looks like I'm playing with Rock and Petey. Um, I was looking forward to starting the year with them. Still am, and you know, obviously, I. We take a lot of pride in our power play group, and you know I think it's good that we're going to get everybody back into their spots, and you know, you know it's exciting. So I'm uh, I'm just ready to go. You know I'm tired of all the BS, and I'm just time to time to play. So I'm excited. 
You know, JT didn't want to get into much detail with respect to the COVID protocol and testing and and everything he went through. It was like, I'm not here to talk about that. I just want to get back onto the ice and ready to play. And in fairness, he's a hockey player. I mean, I think some people would like a little more transparency from the National Hockey League. But I think for the most part, what most hockey fans want to hear is, you know what? Miller's back. How do you help the team win? And we got you covered tonight here on Sportsnet 650 with the pregame show starting at 4 o'clock. Not that I'm, and we've both spent time in news. But listening to JT Miller yesterday, I'm not pinning it on him at all. I'll pin it on the NHL. I'll pin it on this organization. Can you not just tell us? People are dying from this thing every day. Can you not tell us what what happened to get him to Calgary? Like, why is there this secret vest around it that the NHL has on what's going on? You want people to bet on your games? Then be transparent. Like, it's not JT Miller's fault. You know, we don't know. I don't think JT Miller, you know, when he was uh, first felt to be a, a false positive, that was what I said. Yeah, if everything goes well, I'll be there in Calgary. And I don't think Travis Green knew about it either, and or Jim Benning. But have someone from the NHL or say, guys, here's the statement we could read. After four negative tests, JT Miller was cleared dealing with Alberta borders. He was unable to fly commercially, obviously. So a private plane puts him there. Like, Give me some transparency. We're not even a week into this. We know we're dealing with it. Winnipeg canceled the practice on Saturday. Be clear with whatever health officials are telling you so everyone knows. JT was pressed on. He goes, like, this is all I can really tell you. And not that he should be the spokesperson. But I can't believe the NHL like, doesn't come out very clearly and say, here's exactly what happened to get JT Miller back with the Canucks. Here's exactly what happened. we got to find out what happened, what's going on in our world. Why can't we find out what's going on with theirs? I don't. I think it's definitely better than the cloak and dagger that we saw in the return to play last summer, right? Unfit to play. Unfit to play, right? At least it's, at least it's not that. But I, but I will say that you know the BC Health Authority had to sign off on this. You know, Doctor Bonnie had to had to sign off on it. And I, and I would say this, pair the the one the one difference that NHL players have over what say the average Joe or the average Jane, if you will, is that the NHL, I think these players are getting tested daily, right? You know, for the average person, we're not just going to like, I live in Fraser health, right? It's not like I'm going, you know, every day getting a test. Right. And I think, you know, there's not a lot of places in employment situations right now where people are getting tested daily. I think there are people in the film industry that are on set and they're getting tested daily. But that's a lot of money. It's a major financial <laughs> um, undertaking to try to put that position forward. And the National Hockey League is doing that. So I think at least if you're testing somebody daily and they're saying, OK, after a week, hey, look, this guy's just had six tests. He has tested negative day after day after day after day after day there's a certain point where i think you probably say okay it's been a week all right we're moving on here right i, I i'm going to assume sure. that's probably the case oh i i am not disputing that should he be there but i think you're exactly why can't we be told that hey since he tested yeah. uh false positive on tuesday he's been tested every day that's it is that a bad story never, that's all i yeah. need to hear yeah no Right. Like, I'm just I know it's not us. Listen, if, if we had to do our show from uh, Abbotsford, our company's not even renting a car for us to get there, let alone a private jet. I understand they're in a different world. Right. So just but just say, yeah, here's what it is. We needed to, you know, BC Health officials said I needed five days in a row of negative tests. I hit the negative test. I wasn't anywhere. They said, as long as I don't fly commercially, I can join the team and be OK. Like to me, it's, it's not like, what are you hiding from us? 
it's what were the steps to get there? And a lot of people just wanted to know. And I think if you're invested in this team, you just go, what was it? I trust our BC health officials. I trust everybody in Canada that, that set the parameters. And that being said, hey, he's there. He's playing. Our poll question this morning deals with, okay, he's playing. Who's not? Who do you take out of the lineup? You take Adam Goddard out of the lineup? Kind of a slow start for him. Hoaglander, there's no way he's leaving the lineup. Uh, Zach McEwen, kind of the guy who was on the outside at training camp. And then, of course, Jake Vertanen took JT Miller's spot. Can't say that Jake's done a whole lot in the first three games. Right now, a lot of people in on this one. Canuck fans ready to go on this Monday morning. A um, couple hundred votes in in the first 10 minutes this morning. And 59% of you say Zach McEwen's going to be gone from the lineup. I would, I would suspect that's the way I would lean right now, James. Well, he just hasn't engaged, right? You're you're waiting for a guy to step in and, and bang and crash or, or offer that je ne sais quoi, if you will, and he hasn't. And you're kind of waiting, so okay, let's see. Maybe there's a refresh. You know, the other thing I would say to – look, I, I don't think you can go wrong with either. Godet's at least shown some offense where he scored on opening night. Um, maybe you keep Godet just for the versatility that he can play the wing, he can play in the middle. You know, I, I think it probably you're flipping a coin between Vertanen and, you know, McEwen. At this point, Jake offers more than what Zach, you know, is offering from an offensive standpoint. So I'd lean to, towards keeping uh, Jake in there for at least another opportunity. You know, Travis Green also suggested yesterday that, you know, Ole Olevi might flip out for Jack Rathbone. And that Travis has suggested that he might like to try to get Rathbone in the lineup at some point. So that could be a lineup change that that could also be a situation couple of notes from yesterday's practice pair. Quinn Hughes didn't skate, given a maintenance date. Sounds like he'll be fine, though. And Alex Edler was back on the ice at practice as well, so it looks like he'll be okay after suffering that uh, that cut uh, after drawing that penalty and then uh, being forced to leave the game. So it sounds like Alex Edler, uh, steady Eddie, will be back in the fold as well. Uh, 650-650, the Dunbar Lumber text line. You can also weigh in on our poll question on that as well. We're also curious uh, how many of you are lamenting the uh, the escape of Jacob Markstrom. I mean, Marky's revenge on Saturday night pair. We haven't had a chance to hit on that yet, but Jacob Markstrom with an easy-peasy, lemon-squeezy 32-save shutout, and I'm sure it helped as well that it looked, uh, you know, Chris Tanev just doing Chris Tanev things with eight block shots in addition. So the ghosts of Canucks past come back and haunt the Vancouver Canucks with the role besties, Marky and Tanev. Let's see how the pushback is, though, going into the second leg of this home, uh, this Calgary series later on tonight. But Jacob Markstrom, you know, look, I didn't like the idea of committing six years to Jacob Markstrom. I didn't like it. So, no. I mean, goodbye. But, hey, look, man, you got a guy like that in the division, that came by to I came back to bite the Canucks in a huge way on on Saturday night. Well, I, I felt good for both of those guys, right? And and if, if you're going to lose one, lose the first one to him, and now he is the enemy. Your, your point being made, though, it didn't have to be great Markstrom spectacular saves. Didn't need that. Uh, he's got a solid defense in front of him. Tanif blocking the shots, that's not... Uh, something you didn't know, kind of knew where the Canucks were doing on the power play. He was right in the shooting lane all the time. But the one thing that I, I can't say about the Canucks is they sit here and one and two, boy, goaltending's an issue. Um, I, I hope he has been good. Thatcher Demko has been good, although he, he ran into the McDavid freight train. So I, I completely understand. And yeah, maybe Markstrom will have another MVP type year, but I don't know if he's doing that for six years in a row, but good on him. And he played well. And the Calgary Flames, you are not looking at these series against Calgary and playing 10 games and going, 
you know, the Flames are winning nine of them. I don't think that's the case. I do think there will be no easy nights in this Canadian division, and it puts pressure, James. I was looking at it. You know, I didn't do all the percentages, but I would roughly calculate it's probably upwards over 70% of teams that lose that first game have been able to bounce back in this first week and take the second game because it's imperative. You know, and now you think about the Canucks. So if they lose this one, then they've got a juggernaut in Montreal the way they played on Saturday night coming here for three. And you get into these mini series, which is fantastic. Like this is just going to be great because you're not looking at, oh, what game of the series is it as far as the season? Oh, it's, it's game number four of the season. You're going, oh, it's game two of the series. And it's not game five, six, seven. It's game one, two, three of the series against Montreal next week here or this week here. So, uh, yeah, credit to Jacob Markstrom. I'm sure he felt good. I don't think the times are gone where these guys can actually talk to him afterwards, maybe from a distance in the hallway. But they'll get him again tonight, and it'll be a battle. And, you know, if he doesn't have any of those bad nights, you're going to have to work to score on him. And they didn't do enough of that on Saturday. Well, here was Jacob Markstrom after the win, after the shutout victory, saying it was kind of funky facing these uh, former besties of his. No, uh, it's huge. Great team win. Obviously, you know, it's it's weirder than I thought it was going to be. And, you know, it's tough to see. It's just uh, weird seeing the, the, the team you play for for a long time on the other side. But I just try to stay focused on the puck and, uh, you know, try to do my part. And, you know, the guys in front of me played a, played a, a great game today. So there's Jacob Markstrom, and I'm sure the way the schedule was kind of played out for the Calgary Flames thus far, I'm sure we'll see Markstrom in goal again tonight for the Calgary Flames. So uh, a couple texts coming in here. That was a pitiful performance by the Knuckleheads on Saturday night. We'll see how they bounce back, a little more urgency, and and also a nice little boost to the lineup as well as JT Miller returns. Uh, also, hey, we should, we'll get into more Canucks coming up here in just a couple minutes, but Pear, uh, the Final Four is set in the National Football League, and talk about star power for your AFC and NFC Conference Finals. Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Josh Allen, and hopefully, fingers crossed, but I'm going to guess he is Patrick Mahomes as the Chiefs, the Bills, the Packers, and the Bucks all winners yesterday. Was there a standout game for you? Oh, my goodness. I, I, well, all games are great. I felt really good with my predictions. I know you went 4-0. Uh, I, I, I wrote everything on Brady winning. I said, if you can get the GOAT. Uh, with some points, that's great. But honestly, one play. And the tweets yesterday were fantastic. Pat Mahomes, anything is possible. Any given Sunday. My goodness, Andy Reid and the KC Chiefs to have a fourth and one and make that call to actually throw it to Tyreek Hill. I just said, man, you're the champs. Get going. Get out of there. Go to Buffalo. If you're not going to win it, that would have been the situation. Win it and say, okay, we're good. Um Great football, great call. It's just disappointing. The Buffalo Bills, to me, have been the one team that's played the best. But I kind of said, you know, it could be the Ravens. And you think about it, the Ravens are a touchdown away, and he throws a pick, it goes the other way, does Lamar Jackson, and then he's hurt. Um, But I just don't know if anybody beats Green Bay. And that's even with Kansas City healthy and Mahomes back. I thought Aaron Rodgers and what they did to that Rams defense, that, yeah, maybe Aaron Donald wasn't 100%, but that defense is good. And Aaron Rodgers just said, what are you going to do now? And he just kept on ripping them apart. I think the Green Bay Packers are the best team in the NFL right now, and it'll continue for the next couple of weeks. You know, I, I, and I don't know if that's uh, I don't know if that's wrong. You know, as good as Kansas City's been this season, but to sit there and rip, what, almost 200 yards on the ground against the Rams and then to throw for another, what, 300 yards in the air 
I mean, that's almost 500 yards on the ground on a cold day at Lambeau against, against the LA best Rams, right? In the NFL. Yeah. And, yeah, and that's a that's a stud defensive group, right? And and they still ran over the Rams. Uh, you know, shocking though that essentially the two faces of kind of the new generation of the National Football League both get knocked out with concussions, right? Like Lamar Jackson gets knocked out in the Buffalo game. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, and, and you could just see it on the sidelines, his eyes. You could just see the glassy look in his but eyes But didn't you, well, so. James, here's what I thought about Mahomes. Yeah. Like I was waiting to see where he was cracked in the head. Like, it didn't look like he took anything. Well, okay, it must be his head hitting the turf. Yeah. And I'm looking it over. I'm going, okay, where did he get it? Because, I mean, he was wobbly, man. He got up. Mm. It was nasty. But I didn't see where he got where he got nailed on the head. Andy yeah. Reid says he looks okay right now. But you're right. Those two guys gone uh, made a big difference for a big scare and everybody. Well, I'll say this. The Kansas City Chiefs, whether they are home or not, if Patrick Mahomes doesn't play, they're not beating Buffalo. They're not no beating way. a Bills team that has won 11 of the last 12, and the only loss came from that Hale Murray, right? And the Kyler Murray, you know, home mm-hmm. run pass to DeAndre Hopkins, essentially at the buzzer to beat the Bills. They've won 11 of 12 now. Uh, and I'll tell you what, remarkable story by Chad Henney, though, yesterday. I mean, that run, I mean, not only that fourth and inches play pair, but the play before that on third and 14, oh. and he goes barreling through. I mean, that's what a story for Chad Henney to kind of help save the day for the Chiefs. And, and what a gutsy play to go. And, man, it kind of deserved that extra half yard, but they mark him just shy of the first down. But that was outstanding. Um, and I think, you know, in a lot of ways, we haven't touched on it yet, but we may have seen Drew Brees in all likelihood play his final game. And, and what an ugly way to kind of go out with three interceptions. But you go figure that Breeze beats Brady twice this year, but it was the one that mattered that he absolutely stunk yesterday. And Tom's going off to the NFC Championship. Yeah, and that's why that's, you know, I know it's Green Bay playing well, but it's Tom Brady. And, and he wasn't very good in the first half. Their defense actually was the difference in that football game. Uh, we'll hear from Breeze a little bit later on in PS, but, you know, the two of them, I, I had tweeted it out. There was a video afterwards of first when Breeze left, there was one camera on him. He gives the big kisses. You can see tears in his eyes. He's not coming back to play. Uh, but him and Brady meet up on the field afterwards and Breeze's family and the kids are there. And there's just a couple of guys just, hey, man, so you're, you're done with this. And long conversation, big hug. Breeze's kids are playing football. So Tom throws him a pass in the end zone on the money, by the way. And Breeze's kid makes the play. I just think. He's known it, and it's too bad because that was a really good football team for the last five, six years, and they've got one ring to show for it. At least they have that ring. But I thought the Saints could do some damage. Um, but, hey, the, the better wins, and there's there's two greats, two Hall of Famers, and Brady just has that intangible, man. He's a perfectionist, and he demands things. Got some great plays by his receivers because I didn't think he was fantastic, but they were good enough. I, I just don't think – Giselle has already tweeted – can't wait for Green Bay. Yeah, you're gonna have to wear a coat or two, Giselle, and I don't think it's gonna be warm on the sidelines. I think you're gonna you're gonna end your season in Tampa in in Green Bay because uh, to me, Aaron Rodgers and that football team is the best of the four that are left standing. The Monday morning quarterback here on Sportsnet 650 starting lineup, Natea J, will join us in an hour from now. We'll talk uh, the matchups for the uh, AFC NFC Championship. Looking forward to that. Uh, also, hey, it's uh, Martin Luther King Day uh, south of the border as well. And boy, oh boy, does it not resonate even more so today, especially given what we've seen uh, go down south of the border in the last few weeks as well. Uh, mm-hmm. There's also a lot of matinee affairs, games that get underway at nine o'clock this morning in both the National Hockey League and the NBA later today here on this Martin Luther. 
working day. All right, 27 minutes after 6 o'clock here on this Monday morning. I'm James. He's Perry. 650-650, the Dunbar Lumber text line. Diving back into the Vancouver Canucks because if we're playing the playing games for this Canucks sluggish start, it's time to start looking at Tyler Mott. We'll explain next, and Seaball says right here on your home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. You know, I was like to take this opportunity to talk about myself. Seaball says on Sportsnet 650. You know, there's been a lot of finger pointing amongst Canucks Nation over Vancouver's sluggish start to the season. Let's play the blame game. I love you more. Let's play the blame game. I mean, there's Shorty Ben for taking JT Miller out of the lineup. Elias Pettersson for a less than dynamic start. Power play, firing blanks. Penalty killing unit that's been absolutely killed. Jake Vertanen for being, well, Jake Vertanen, and so on and so on. Special teams have been horrific so far, and that's where I'd like to kind of make my guess and try to solve our Canucks edition game of Clue. Tyler Mott with the penalty in the sin bin. Mott's start to the season has been like an elephant stomping through a Vancouver special home. A slew foot in camp on Adam Gaudet that sparked a fight and a parade to the penalty box has resulted in the Canucks special teams looking anything but special. Elias Lindholm, right circle, down low, Monahan in front, he scores! Mott has taken four penalties in the first three games of this Canucks young season and all but one of them have resulted in a power play goal for the Alberta teams. Mark Giordano, left wing for Michael Backlund, into the slot for Mangiapane, drops it right circle, Dubé with a one-timer, he scores! Mott's speed and tenacity on the ice make him Vancouver's best penalty killer, but he hasn't been able to help because he's been the team's Achilles heel serving time. Entering tonight, the Canucks have been shorthanded 14 times so far. Mott's accounted for essentially a third of that number. More than that. You love Mott for his hustle, but his added edge this season has been one of the Canucks' worst enemies thus far. And that's this morning, Seaball says. Thank goodness for the St. Louis Blues. There's the only team to start this season with more penalties and giving up more goals against than the Vancouver Canucks have. They've given up six compared to the Canucks' five. You know special teams are going to be a difference, good or bad, especially where everyone finds their legs. Sometimes we just forget because these guys are so good. Hey, they didn't have any preseason or anything to get going. But yeah, I'm not going to pin it on Tyler Mott, who kind of excelled in the bubble and showed people he could do more. There was a time where I thought, hey, you're looking for a top six winger. Is it possible Tyler Mott's the guy? I wonder, James, if it's all right, I, I have to do more. We mentioned Zach McEwen as we wonder who's going to be pulled out of the lineup. And I'm going... Zach, like, you got to play like you belong in the NHL. You proved it last year, and he's not. Maybe Tyler Mott said, you know, I proved I can do more in this league last year in the bubble, so I'm going to do it, and he's kind of crossed the line too many times. But come on, man, you can't pin on this team. Tyler Mott's been the big problem. Dumb penalties, costly penalties. He's got to be more disciplined, but I, I won't throw it on Tyler Mott. Look, I would say Tyler Mott was great in the bubble last year, right? I mean, you love the, but it's not, but it's been a tough start, man. You know, you take four of the fourteen penalties so far, and three of those wind up in the back of the net. Like, they haven't been good penalties to take, right? When a guy who's that effective as a penalty killer is not there to kill penalties because the team's trying to kill off those penalties that he took, 
It's been. It, let's just say it was a tumultuous week for Tyler Mott, goal and all. And he has company. I wouldn't say tumultuous for others. It, it was a it was a quiet three games for a lot of players. Quinn Hughes is leading this team in points right now with three assists. Um, I thought Nate Schmidt would come in and do a lot more than he has at this point. I understand he's trying to figure it out, but uh, they were quiet. And, you know, you don't want to sit there and go, well, we're just finding our sea legs. That's not going to work because there will be no easy nights here. And the pressure on this team to be better and better right away to make sure that they don't lose these these series that they have. Because as soon as you start losing ground, James, where's where is an easy game coming from? It's not happening anymore. So you better be at your best and get there as quickly as you can. And if JT Miller is that shot of booster juice tonight to get him there, good. But it's it's not Tyler Mott who's going to win this hockey game tonight. It's it's the top six above him. But that said, somebody's got to chip in every once in a while. And I just don't see, not only on the score sheet, but it's not like we've sat here over the last three games going, oh, man, they've had so many good chances. That hasn't happened when we talk five-on-five hockey. To me, that's the concern right now. No, and I, I, I'm with you on that. And you you look at, you talk about the layup. There are no layups here in the all-Canadian Gord Downey division, right? Like, they're just not there. I mean, Ottawa, I mean, Ottawa spanked the Leafs on Friday night, and Ottawa's first game in, what, 310 days and they were winners, and they look like they've got something, and they're going to be plucky uh, the way that they kind of performed in the first couple of games. Meanwhile, tonight, elsewhere around the NHL, you've got a few other all-Canadian matchups tonight. you got the Jets and the Leafs ready to go uh, after the Jets kind of weathered a, a little bit of a scare on their own end with the COVID precaution uh, that forced the shutdown of practice over the weekend. But then you also, in Edmonton tonight, the Oilers again at home, and we'll try to get back uh, on, on the winning track against the Montreal Canadiens, who absolutely owned them. But, man, look at what the what the Oilers are going to have to deal with now, Pear, with they're going to have to lean on Mika Koskinen. And like that's kind of a scary thought even before the season started. But Mike Smith is now out indefinitely and for a significant chunk of time. They made a waiver claim on Troy Grosnick, who's uh, had some success in the American Hockey League. There's been some thought that maybe they'll try to make a play on Aaron Dell, who was placed uh, on make a waiver claim for Aaron Dell for the Toronto Maple Leafs. But man, oh man, you know, there's a lot to like with the Oilers up front when you start with McDavid and Dreisaitl. But I don't know if there's anybody around the league that looks at Mika Koskinen and says, yeah, you know what, that's that's okay goaltending. You know, yeah, that's all right. He's not bad. As I uh, said to a buddy Saturday night, you're in trouble with Mika lost again. Because that's about all he can do. You know, it's the one thing that they couldn't fix. They thought they could fix it in Edmonton with Jacob Markstrom. They went at him hard. Markstrom made the right call and said, I'll go to Calgary right now. Where are the the Edmonton orders as far as locking things down? Like, they can't do that. They can't play that style of game. So now they got to outscore with a goalie whose confidence wavers with each game. You don't know what you're going to get. To me, and I, I thought Edmonton might be the team to beat. They still may very well be. But they are going to be in an awful lot of trouble um, just because when your depth is challenged in the goalie position, then that's when it comes back to haunt them. And at, at the other side, what they saw, and we get to see it this week in a Montreal Canadiens team, everyone thought, okay, let's. how long is it going to take? The old chemistry. You didn't get to play any preseason games. You've made a boatload of changes. It may take a while for these guys to figure it out. And all of a sudden, it just seems seamless right from game one. That Montreal hockey team, the way they played on Saturdays, okay, so where is your weakness? 
And then at the back end, you got Carey Price. And now Carey Price can have nights off. It may have, I mean, Mark Bergevin may have hit a complete home run going, this is exactly what we need. Plug and play, and it worked better than I could thought. Like what Montreal has done. But, man, I could see the Oilers going on a tear and tear going the wrong way. Swoon down and trying to climb out of it, I think will be so difficult because eventually it'll get tighter to play. But Connor McDavid can only do so much. And I'll tell you where we're going to go with this, James, is if the Oilers do struggle, if the Oilers don't get into the postseason, how long do we wait before Connor McDavid becomes Pierre-Luc Dubois and Patrick Liney and say, man, like this isn't working here. Doing everything I can with the best player in the world, and it's not working here. I think this could be a tough, tough run for the Oilers with health problems and goal. Well, you go back two off-seasons ago when Ken Holland first took over, right? There was that. There were those questions then. You know, if you hit another speed bump here uh, at the end of this season and the Oilers are on the outside looking in, yeah, at some point you might run into some fatigue here for a guy who's who's won two Art Ross trophies so far and could be poised to win a third here this season in this 56-game sprint. Uh, 641, hey, we should give a shout-out to our producer, Mike English, who uh, I, I don't know if he was just feeling salty on this Monday morning, but speaking of the Oilers here, Pear, um, our producer posting out on our uh, social media Twitter account here at Sportsnet 650. Uh, Mark Messier is 60 today, and he's got a picture on our Sportsnet 650 account of Messier hoisting the Stanley Cup with the Rangers. And given the, um, <laughs> the disdain Back. for number 11 here, uh, the reaction on I, – I, I don't even think any of them are, absol- are actually uh, repeatable <laughs> based on – Oh, Really? Uh, on on the reaction to what people have seen with this tweet, um, yeah, a lot of a lot of barfing emojis, and then uh, a lot of a lot of responses that rhyme with uh, the word uh, hockey puck. It uh, it's funny because uh, we're still playing uh, hockey classics on Sportsnet, so I taped a couple. You had the Flyers and the Montreal Canadiens in the mid seventies, and then they were also playing. I think it was nineteen eighty one Montreal and the Edmonton Oilers. So I watched about ten minutes of of those two games. So a young Mark Messier, full head of hair. Come on, it's a guy's birthday, people. Just celebrate it. Not, Not here. On Not here. I'll, I'll sum up. I'll somewhat. Uh, I'll sum up this one, and I'll, I'll I'll censor it as best I can. This one from Braden. I hope Messier has a birthday as crappy as his tenure here. Bleep Messier. <laughs> That's hey, probably Messier the had cleanest. the Jersey retirement anniversary last week. Yeah. Now a birthday. Uh-huh. It's kind of gone silent though. You don't you don't see a whole or hear a whole lot of Messier right now. No, he hasn't been thing. around. Yeah, and I think and I think a lot of Vancouver sports fans right now are saying, let's keep it that way. <laughs> Six forty-three. Uh, we'll dive in. We'll head to Calgary. Coming up at the top of the clock, Ryan Leslie uh, for Sportsnet in Calgary. We'll look ahead to uh, round number two between the Canucks and Flames. And in a moment, pair. Everything was happening this weekend when it comes to no BS. Oh, there was, and I'll tell you, we explained to you. Well, you got to cheer from the for the Washington Capitals and their head coach, Peter Laviolette. From our dojo to yours, we'll explain that to you ahead. No BS, just PS ahead on the official home of the Vancouver Canucks on a game day. You're listening to Sportsnet 650. He always tries to be ahead of the game. Harry was in front. Finding stories that matter, sort of. We call BS. You want it. It's not BS, just P.S. with Perry Solkowski. 
Some of the headlines you may not have heard of are behind the headlines, if you will. 649 on this game day, Monday morning. Perry Solkowski, James Sabalski. P.S. everyone, Washington Capitals lost for the first time yesterday this year in a shootout to the Penguins. But when they debuted with their head coach, Peter Laviolette, after their first game, he made a speech of how he was going to honor the player of the game in the dressing room, and it was terrific. I was off for a whole year, so I watched every show out there. Every series out there, the best series by far was Cobra Kai. <laughs> so I thought about it and I got this bandana right here for the most offensive player of the game tonight. That would be TJ Oshie. Where are you? Oh. James, he goes full Cobra Kai with the bandana. The karate kid, Ralph Macho himself, retweeted it and said, Nice job, coach. Man, you were the one who pushed me. Got to try Cobra Kai, pair. Got to try it. I've done it. I've even got season three done already. Have you? No, man. I, I jumped into Yellowstone and then hockey started, so everything's been backlogged uh, right now. But Yellowstone's got the priority. I'm waiting for my 12-year-old to finish up her. Uh, she's she's trying to catch up on Cobra Kai, so I'm going to save uh, season three with her. And when you get to season three, you know who she appears. Oh, yeah. Uh, the Australian Open is going to be played next month, but dealing with a big unforced error right now. Three planes, 72 players, all quarantining for two weeks right now after several positive tests, including our friend of the show, Vasek Pospisil, test positive, Bianca Andrescu's coach test positive. Hey, you're, you're going to travel around. These guys aren't on the chartered planes. They don't live in that kind of world. Not surprised, but it's going to be difficult when you have to stay in a room by yourself for two weeks. You're a tennis player looking for that fitness. I don't know if Peloton's going to get it done for them. It'll be a strange year of the Australian Open. I would suggest plenty of upsets with that amount of players unable to train for two weeks. Well, and some are just resorting to hitting a ball against the wall in the hotel. So, man, imagine how annoying that might get. But uh, I love the comment from Victorian Premier uh, Daniel Andrews uh, in Australia who said, uh, the virus doesn't treat you specially, so neither do we when it comes to some of the players uh, and some of the tennis officials who have been asking for uh, – you know, some special treatment to not have to quarantine for 14 days. Yeah, that, that was not retweeted by Charles Barkley, by the way. <laughs> P.S. It's not official, but Drew Brees, he's done. No complaints, no regrets. Um, man, I, I've always tried to play this game with a great respect and a great reverence for it. And I, mean, I, I, I appreciate all that this game has, has given to me. You know what's disappointing, and just have a long laundry list of what we've done in the last 10 months. Uh, I'm sure that's it. Uh, he talked like it was that big hug with Tom Brady yesterday. Tears in his eyes as he went to his family. But considering all of that done, you just think, wow, that's not the way they wanted to walk off. But you think you'd have 70,000 people there uh, celebrating. He'll get it in a ceremony at some point. But a great career for a guy who at one point just thought, you're not big enough. You're, you're not going to do anything in the NFL. What a career he had. What a run, uh, you know, in 20 years. Uh, just, you know, it's unfortunate to kind of see the way it's kind of played out, but he's, he's dealt with some significant injuries the last two years, Pear. Um, but but yesterday he was he was ineffective, and I think you could even see some of the warning signs against Chicago the week prior. 
Finally, P.S. Uh, some are the fans of Mandalorian, others not paying too much attention. Apparently is a big fan of the show The Mandalorian, which airs on Disney+. Plus. On, look at his mask. On one side, there's the child Grogo. And on the other side, Din Djarin, who's a bounty hunter. And I have no idea what I just said. That's Pat Foley, James, and at least he was honest when he said, I've got no idea of what I've just said. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I think he booted every name on uh, on the uh, Mandalorian that he tried to allude to. But, you know, hey, say it with confidence, my friend. Say it with Give confidence. It, a it was a piece, it was it a a piece of advice. That's, yeah. exactly, that's exactly it. No BS, everybody. Just PS on this Monday morning. 6.54 here on this Monday morning. Uh, Canucks, it's game day, people. Canucks trying to get back to 500 uh, as they go round two with Jacob Marks from Chris Tanev and the Calgary Flames. We'll head to Cowtown, check in with Sportsnet's Ryan Leslie next on your home of the Canucks. Game day, people. It's Sportsnet 650. Let's get it going. It's time to get up. Well, stays in at running back. Twist by the Browns up front. Slant. Cut Kelsey at the 10. Five angling left. Dodge into the end zone. Touchdown, Kansas City. These guys are here to break it all down. Doesn't matter what I say, Mike. You're going to write every time. So it doesn't matter what you say. Uh, yeah, it feels different. I mean, we got four points out of the first two games. Uh, I, I wasn't even going to answer your question because you are such a weasel. It's not even funny. Next question. Let's have a little fun and make you a winner. Boy, that escalated quickly. This is the starting lineup with James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski. 7 o'clock, time to rock. What's going on? It is game day here in Metro Vancouver as the Canucks round two with the Calgary Flames later tonight. Calgary pregame show starts at 4 here on Sportsnet 650. Puck drop with Batch and Hershey coming your way at 6 o'clock this evening. And Corey Hirsch will join us in an hour from now on your Canucks commute. 650-650, the Dunbar Lumber text line. I'm James Sabalski. He's Perry Solkowski. We'll head to Calgary in just a few minutes and check in with Brian Leslie from Sportsnet in Calgary. And Pear, we, we say welcome back, J.T. Miller, and not a moment too soon for a team that has been reeling at certain ends of the ice, especially when it comes to special teams. Oh, man, you've got that. I, I just want to bring that back. If, if people don't know that clip that, that we had in the opening, that was Jacob Voracek. And, and, you know, I was thinking about this, Seaball. I mean, so many people working from home, and so those Zoom conferences are, are happening from home in all likelihood. Imagine, and I think it was Mike Sidlicki was the reporter, I believe, and I don't know if Mike, but imagine if Mike has kids and they're going, hey, Dad, can I just can I just watch the Zoom press conference while you ask the guys questions? Sure, that'll be great. I'm going to ask Jacob a few questions, and then you get that answer. You're such a weasel, I wasn't going to answer it. So, yeah, it, it felt like hockey this weekend, and JT Milley, to the surprise of a lot of people, will show up tonight. He comes in on a private jet, practices with the team yesterday, and they need him. And, and not just because he completes that lineup. It's not the old, you complete me. I do think, James, he helps that dressing room. Like, to me, I look at that dressing room and go, okay, who's the voice? Like on Saturday night, if you think about it, you're going up against Jacob Markstrom. Go down the roster of Canucks going, who's the guy that probably would have been firing something at Markstrom, verbal jabs or something? It just doesn't seem like it's in the character of a lot of the Canucks. It's kind of like, okay, JT will lead the way. Uh, we've heard all year last season how much help he was to a Jake for Canada. We know what he meant 
offensively to, to Petey and, and to Brock. So he comes back. I don't know if one guy changes it, but uh, they need something. And it's nice to get arguably their MVP back for the first game of the year tonight. Huge huge in terms of just what he does to just to add another layer to the lotto line, which has just seemed neutered uh, to start the season. I mean, opening night, look, you saw the two goals from Brock Besser, and I think we all kind of raved about, oh, the shot is back. But really for the, the chunk of the small sample size of this Canucks season, we've been kind of asking, where's Petey? Where's Petey? You know, for a guy who's supposed to be in the discussion for maybe a Hart Trophy as a dark horse candidate, a guy who, you know, some people would look at as is already one of the top ten players in the National Hockey League. Um, we haven't seen that from Elias Pettersson through the first three games. And JT Miller, perhaps, uh, look, Petey was a much different player last year playing alongside JT Miller. Let's see if we ultimately get that back. But, hey, look, the guy led the team in scoring last year, and – you know, for a deal that a lot of people kind of looked at initially, Perrin said, whoa, 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 you're giving all that up for a team that's up against the cap for JT Miller, who was like a third liner on that team. Uh, man, he turned out to be a game changer in this franchise um, for what he could do offensively, for what he could do on faceoffs, what he could do in his own end. I mean, this was a guy who has been full value for not just only giving up a first-round pick, but I think that first and third that the Canucks ultimately conceded to bring JT Miller here. Uh, it's a nice manageable cap hit, a guy who's in his mid-20s, but so much that he does. And again, not just on the ice that we alluded to at the outset of this show, but it's what he does in the room as well, Pear. I mean, this guy, I mean, yeah, you I, could look at Bo Horvat as the captain, but man, like he's as much a leader to me as Bo Horvat. He's the most complete player in their top six. And if this team is top six heavy, where they have their money, that's where they're going to have to have success. And they have it. I mean, we can talk all you want about a power play and hell, he'll help it tonight. But five on five, they haven't created a whole bunch in three games. And you know what? It's the pressure that comes with this team for the first time. Expectations are completely different for the Canucks. Uh, they the, People wondered where they would go. And then all of a sudden, the Nate Schmidt and the Travis Hammond, you go, hang on. They're not going backwards like we might have anticipated. So if the expectations are high, that Petey's got massive expectations. And I think he'll be okay. Uh, but JT Miller not being there, I think, took more out of the wind out of the sails of this team that we can imagine. We'll see if they've got some extra jump tonight against Calgary. Well, we uh, head to Calgary now and uh, catch up before uh, round two goes down tonight between the Canucks and the Flames. And, uh, oh boy, what can you do for an encore for those uh, free agent signings in the offseason? Ryan Leslie from Sportsnet in Calgary joins us here bright and early. Good morning, Ryan. Good morning, guys. Great to be with you. Uh, so what would give me a sense of what the buzz was in Calgary after uh, Jacob Markstrom shuts out his old besties there? I mean, boy, that's that's a pretty that's a pretty impressive home debut, I would say, with along with Chris Tanner with what eight block shots. Now that's how you debut. Uh, that <laughs> yeah. is uh, yeah. that is what everybody's talking about. Thirty-two uh, saves for the goaltender, as you mentioned, the eight block shots by Chris Tanner, as advertised. Uh, you know, I think uh, they're still waiting to see a little bit more out of uh, Josh Levo and. Uh, and I think it's still so early that, uh, you know, everything's going to level off at some point. But uh, right now, Flames fans, uh, management, uh, teammates, everybody's thrilled with the way the new guys have looked. And and rightly so. You know, all the talk about Jacob Markstrom coming in. Uh, Matthew Kachuk told me he's just a presence, uh, as, as you guys know. He's a presence on and off the ice, and he has fit in seamlessly here um, as a big man, as a big performer, and as somebody who's just – you know, personality-wise, meshed right in. And I think because there is some familiarity with a guy like Chris Tanev and Mark Giordano and a few of the Ontario guys, 
that has been seamless as well. But as far as the performance goes, uh, that's, you know, in Winnipeg, the season opener, he had some pretty big uh, saves. They uh, they lose in overtime, but uh, at home, it was just everything you would want from a goaltender. And the storylines are, are obvious, but uh, certainly sweet for those involved. Ryan, I would guess, and man, we put so much into a couple of games, three games played, we're not even a week in. But you watch <laughs> that, that Calgary team, the and the word that comes team. to me is balanced. Is that how the feel is, that these guys are just – right throughout the lineup. You might get goals from different lines, but they have everything you need, depending on how the opponent wants to play, that they can play those games? Well, I, I, balance is certainly there. Depth is certainly there right now. Um, you've got pairings that, for the first time in a long time, really allow you some options. And who are you going to plug in to play with those those forward pairings? Uh, and that's still to be determined. But so far, they've had some options that they've liked. Um I think they can play a couple of different styles, but I'm not prepared to suggest that uh, they are, you know, exactly where they want to be three games in. I'm not going to suggest that uh, they can play just about any style you want. I I wouldn't say that yet. Uh, No. And I I think that this is a team still trying to, you know, they have learned from their, uh, their playoff exits. Uh, They are humbled by the fact that uh, they haven't gone on a long run here. And this is a group that has been together and lost together and been frustrated together. But I think they've grown together as well. So as far as the style of play, they're still becoming a team that uh, wants to be what you suggested. But I don't think they're there yet. Ryan Leslie with us here on Sportsnet 650. Uh, one of the other sidebar stories beyond just how amazing Jacob Markstrom and Chris Tanev were on Saturday night against their <laughs> former teams, Ryan. But, um, but the notion that maybe there's a new top line in Calgary. Yeah, that's been kind of uh, one of those, not necessarily overnight, but certainly uh, there's been a shift. And I don't know as though, you know, for a team that kind of had a uh, a clear-cut top line, now it's a little bit more of a, again, balanced attack that can throw a couple of different looks at you. We're, of course, talking about Elias Lindholm, Matthew Kachuk, and at this point, anyhow, Dylan Dubé, who I think a lot of people think this guy's going to pop. And this is a player who showed us little glimpses in the postseason with a beautiful goal and solid play when he was on with uh, Milan Lucic. But that's a pretty uh, formidable trio if it stays like that. There's a lot of skill and a lot of hockey smarts on that line. And uh, if it stays that way, uh, then you've got, you know, a different set of challenges. Jeff Ward will have to manage ice time. And right now it just seems like they're rolling those you know, two, three lines, much like you'd see other teams do, like Vegas, is there a clear-cut line? And we could look at other teams historically that maybe didn't have a, a clear-cut top line. But this is this is going to be a challenge for Jeff Ward when you've got to manage all that ice time and you've got to keep guys honest. You have seen some defensive zone starts for the likes of uh, Johnny Gaudreau and Sean Monaghan, and it'll be worth monitoring what their ice time looks like if it dips or if it comes back up or if it's just the matchup. So... We want to jump and read into everything, but I think right now it's just about, okay, well, now they've got another option in Kachuk and Lindholm, and if that takes away a little bit of ice time from Gaudreau and Monaghan, well, maybe there's an internal drive to to make sure that they take some ice back. So we'll see how it plays out, but early on, yeah, it's there's a, there's a couple lines here that could be considered a number one. Brian Leslie joins us on the starting lineup. Brian, I think if memory serves, 
we talked to you when the Flames were eliminated, and I had just asked you a question if you thought Johnny Goudreau would be back in a Flames uniform. At the time, you just thought no. Um, obviously, circumstances with revenue and what we're dealing with, there really were no takers, nor there would be. But I get the sense, as you talk about Dubay and the changes they've made, is there a comfort zone for Johnny Goudreau to not have everything on his shoulders with this team right now? And it is it is a more comfortable fit than maybe before? Yeah, I think that might be fair. I think when you can share the weight and share the load, it's it's going to be better for those who maybe have been carrying it for a while. And the term bounce back for Johnny has been there. He had 18 goals last year. It's tied for the, uh, the least amount in his career. And he knows he's been very businesslike to be truthful here. He, he really, uh, he's gone about his business in a very quiet way this year. I think he's determined to get back to where he knows he can be. Um, but yeah, that was a very different time at that point. Um, and mm-hmm. the situations are and the market is what it is, but, uh, having a little bit of help may provide him with help and the way he's deployed, the way Jeff Ward uses him, they're, they're trying everything to make sure that he gets back to where they know he can be. I don't think there's a lot of panic. I didn't think at the time he would be back just because I think at that point, it seemed like, you know, there would be an interest elsewhere and simply put, this guy's got to keep playing games and uh, the market isn't exactly where it was. So um, we'll see how this thing all plays out, but all these, all these players who are kind of thought to be on the move, they they've got at least in Johnny's case, anyhow, maybe it doesn't go anywhere, but he's got to play himself back into the position where everybody around the league, including here in Calgary knows that, that he can perform at. And the way, again, the way he's used, but the way he is, uh, been able to maybe have certain um, parts shared and placed with other players should help. But uh, hopefully it's, it's the winning recipe because he's got to get back to where he should be. Well, and you, and you look at, I want to go back to what you were talking about with uh, Jacob Markstrom. And, you know, one thing that we noticed here in the last couple of years when he was still with the Canucks was that, you know, Markstrom broke down when he was overworked. He's a guy who definitely needs his rest. And you look at how the schedule kind of sets up here to at least start. It's kind of favorable for the Flames to kind of ride Markstrom out here for the first little going. Like, they've got a few days off here before they mm-hmm. drop the puck again here, don't they? Yeah, yeah, they do. And uh, But you also have David Riddick in there, too. So that'll be an interesting challenge and in how they decide to use him. But, yeah, there's a bit of rest here. There's a few days off. Uh, Five, I believe it is, uh, as far as without a game. And I think they'll have two days off on the 19th and the 22nd, team days off. So get the game done tonight, day off tomorrow. So then you get back on the practice ice, which I think everybody's talked about the importance of it because of the compressed schedule. Yeah. So practice will be in no preseason. And you can, you'll have three games in Calgary's case under their belt to see what they've got, what they've liked. I asked uh, Jeff Ward the other day after the Winnipeg game, specifically what is something that, you know, he wanted to see change against Vancouver and he said puck control and he left it at that very succinct, just puck control. So they're looking at things in a very detailed manner and they'll have some time to do it. But as far as the, the Jacob Markstrom con, uh, question goes, yeah, why not play him for a little bit to get him in a groove, see what he's got, but certainly with an eye on how do we, you know, get David Riddick in there at some point and the games are going to pick up for Calgary. So, and February is absolutely madness. So, 
The compressed schedule hasn't been too bad early on for Calgary, certainly not as bad as it has been for Vancouver with starting on the road as many games and, you know, with the JT Miller situation and all these little challenges that Vancouver's had. Calgary's just quietly going about it, favorable schedule for now, bit of rest coming up, and they'll try to use it to their advantage to help balance out the workload for guys like Jacob Markstrom, allowing them to rest and, and then maybe springboard into some work. But I think we're going to see uh, David Riddick come on uh, as the month and certainly next month get going because it's it's just going to heat up for Calgary. Well, a little more desperation, probably a little more jump today with JT Miller back in the lineup uh, mm. from the Canucks. Ryan, thanks for waking up early and doing this. Uh, have a good call tonight. Thanks for having me, guys. Talk to you soon. There he is, uh, Ryan Leslie uh, from Sportsnet in Calgary. A reminder, the pregame show this afternoon here on Sportsnet 650 with Satin Walks coming your way at 4 o'clock and then Puck Drop with Batch and Hershey coming your way at 6 o'clock this evening. We'll uh, catch up with Corey Hershey in about 45 minutes from now on your Canucks commute at 8 o'clock here on Sportsnet 650. But, man, um, hey, look, everything came up roses for Chris Tanev and Jacob Markstrom. And, and you would have to think that – as much internally, mentally, hey, you know, the Canucks want to win a game. I, I can't imagine how much more somebody like Tandem and Markstrom would want to win that game on Saturday night. You know, and and kind of, hey, man, this is what you got rid of. You rejected me. You didn't want to pay me what I felt what I was worth. I'm going to show you what I'm all about. And I think we saw that in full effect. Not, I mean, look, Tanev was eight block shots, but pair. I mean, Jacob Markstrom for 32 saves, that didn't look like a difficult, like the Canucks made it easy on him, I thought. Well, they did. And, and that speaks to the team playing in front of them. Defensively, they were sound. You, you hear Ryan talk about better puck control is something they're looking for. They're working on those kind of details. And it speaks to an opposition that really has been lacking in creating anything five on five. You blocked the lanes when they were on the power play, and Markstrom just had to be good. There's a lot of nights that Jacob Markstrom was great, and that was because defensive deficiencies here that the Vancouver Canucks have. And I would suggest this. We have not seen Holpe need to be fantastic for the Canucks. I think the Canucks goaltending has been very good because they're better defensively. So I expect a much better effort. Teams that lose the first in these series have seemed to bounce back about 70% of the time. There'll be more jump. You know, and people texting and join us always on the Dunbar Lumber text line. Are we a lottery team again? Maybe we're the sixth best team in the division. One guy out of our top line, and we're that bad. We're in a lot of trouble. Welcome to Vancouver. Uh, but that's as quickly as people are going to jump on this team. You know, you look so good in game one, then Connor McDavid gets you, then you go to Calgary, and you don't look like you can handle it. You can't score in your power play. You can't kill off when you get a penalty. And you're going, what's going on? Where's number 40? Where's Petey? So uh, it will be the roller coaster of emotions, but I, I would hope the Canucks can bounce back tonight. But I just don't think the Calgary Flames are going to be an easy team. And when this guy says, are we six backs in the division? Guess what? This is a really good division right now. Uh, my biggest concern if you're in this division and the team in it would be the Edmonton Oilers. But hey, the, the Vancouver Canucks got to bounce back and got to bounce back with better play five on five. Let's hope JT Miller is a catalyst to that tonight. Well, not just five on five, but man, special teams too. Five on four, four on five pair. Oh, for, I mean, they, they've given up way too many. I mean, when your when your penalty kill is operating at a sixty four percent efficiency, that's disastrous. You're giving up a goal to you know one out of every three power plays, and from a power play standpoint, that was a you know uh, that was a top five. They were fourth in the league last year. Pair, they're zero for eleven. Like, is that all, JT Miller? I would hope not but it certainly should help tonight. 
Well, they have to change that. Special teams are the key, especially while everyone gets going here in the first week, two weeks of the season to get a feel for it all. And if you can't score on your power play, if you can't create a lot of opportunities five-on-five, you're not winning. Okay, hockey's not winning you hockey in the Northern Division. And we're okay. No, no one is good enough against the opposition to play okay and win. That's just not the case with the competition you have. Mm-hmm. Not only should we be playing the Welcome Back Cotter music for uh, JT Miller, but we also should be playing the Welcome Back uh, music to uh, Sonia Aslam from News 1130. Ready to roll. JT Miller's back, and so too was Sonia Aslam on this Monday morning. How's that? You and JT linked. That is true. It's true. We're both amazing, and uh, we contribute everything to And the humble. Team. And, and so, humble. Yeah, mm-hmm. Super humble. <laughs> and it's been proven that a team falls apart if we're not around. There what? 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 Did you what? say that? Yeah, oh, did okay. I? Uh, yeah, no, I'm excited to, to have him back tonight. Somebody's angling for a raise pair. I would think so. You had a <laughs> private jet or something. I, I think the comparisons ended with, with your, we're better with you around. Oh, yeah. Hey, um, listen, yesterday uh, was quite a moment in, in mission. As we try and find good in people, mm-hmm. they showed us in mission yesterday, didn't they? Yeah, so this goes back to a story that we actually did last week. This is a, I don't know if everyone has seen the video. It's pretty pretty graphic, vicious video of a girl. She's binary. She is a lesbian. Um, uh, and she's being beaten on the field at a school. And this is a school mission. And um, it's, you know, the two girls who were involved um, have been charged. And the video is hard to watch, A, because she's being beaten up. It's awful. It's awful. And there's yes. people around her and they're cheering <laughs> the bullies on and they're allowing it to happen. And no one steps in. Everyone just records it and Ridiculous. puts it on different social media platforms. And then yesterday they did a drive-by rally, obviously because of COVID. No one can get out of their cars. So they did a drive-by rally, uh, I think, down the Fraser River Dyke. And uh, her family came out. And they were able to, um, you know, that they were able to to see the goodness in people's heart, as you mentioned. And the the message really was is that there's more of good people out there than there are the bad people, the bullies. And she was very touched, and it was just such a nice sort of, I don't want to say a nice ending to a really horrible story, but it just sort of wrapped things around. So no, it was it was amazing to see. And there were there were a lot of cars like. Hundreds oh, and How many hundreds cars of cars. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was it was great. It was great. And I know uh, that the family was very touched by it. Yeah, and I and I would think that the families um, of those kids that are involved need to take a look in the mirror, right, in terms of that behavior. And I get their kids. Um, but man, oh, man, uh, that sort of behavior, it just was – uh, it was just sad, and and to see that happening here, right? And it's not to yeah. say that we're not immune here in this uh, in these parts, but uh, it's nice to see that the good coming out to 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 show their support for what was just. It was hard to watch because yeah. you know I've I've got a daughter around that age, right? That's kind of in that middle school, and it just it breaks my heart to see that and to watch that video and and to to listen to the giggling and the cackling and mm-hmm. and the others just filming yeah. it, watching it and. And and kind of egging, you know, there was there were some kids that were kind of egging them on, and then there were others that were kind of, you know, what you guys are jerks for doing this. And but the bottom know, line is, no one stepped in, no one called for no, help, it. no one did anything. Yeah, they and just the, watched. And the problem with that is, you become a bystander and you become involved. 
Yeah. Because you're yeah. not standing and up. And then you can listen to it in a sense. Like there should be some big conversations. You know, the support was great, but obviously the parents of the two who were arrested, you've got some real issues in conversation, but everybody was there going, hey, why wouldn't you? And James, your daughter's in that age group. Like, hey, if you're scared to do it yourself, find a friend. You can't sit there and watch that. So uh, maybe somehow we get something positive of that. But it was it was neat to see. What else is going on, Aslam? Uh, not much. There's really high security. <laughs> not much. <laughs> um, <laughs> there is really high security right now in uh, in D.C. We've got uh, troops that are being vetted now because of a concern that there may be an internal attack on an inauguration day, which is about 48 hours away. So tomorrow is Donald Trump's last full official day in office. And then by noon Wednesday, he's gone and likely being cuffed and taken to a court somewhere. But um, yeah, so there's just incredibly high security. There's more troops. There's more officers on their way to D.C. to handle everything on Wednesday. So we're and, a uh, pipeline, and, a, and a pipeline's getting scrapped. Uh, the old Keystone. Keystone. So this was approved. Sorry, this was this was put forth. They started building it. It's about four-fifths of the way done. Obama <laughs> said no, and then Trump, Donald Trump said yes. Now Biden on Wednesday is apparently going to say no. Remember, we said no, so it's no. So he's going to apparently pull the plug on Keystone on Wednesday um, as soon as he's inaugurated. Uh, and I mean, like, the first thing he's going to do is say, we're not doing this. All that money spent too, right? <laughs> it's pretty much done being built. And you're like, actually, nah. And this is the yeah. oil. This is just everyone knows the pipeline from, uh, I think, Montana or Dakota or one of Yellowstone, man. Yellowstone. <laughs> Kevin Costner. This is, the, this is the Dutton family doing this pair. I haven't seen it. All of these references oh, don't mean anything to me. Uh, but this is People just... know. People that know, know. You're the only one talking up. about it. My God. Yeah. They know what's up. I'm not the only one. You know what? Dump our lumber text line. Show me, show me that you got some support on this one here. <laughs> See, well, you talk about it like you're in the show. I don't care. Jeez. Yeah, I get royalties That's on this. That's he is. That's why oh, he's yeah. into wrestling. He be- yeah. he becomes one oh, he believes. Oh, don't be into wrestling. Yeah. Be an adult. Be an adult. It. Wrestling is not He's a expecting thing. on Thursday Kevin Costner to have a press conference to say he's going through. Our oh. family's paying for yeah. it. Oh, my Crash God. Davis. Crash Davis is going to sign with the Canucks and try to straighten out uh, the power play if we don't get it uh, done tonight. I also, I like how everyone's freaking out. Like, we're three games in. I know it's a shortened season, but it's like, oh, man, that's it. The season's over. It's like, relax, relax. Well, we will get there. Just, yeah. just need to shake it up a little bit. Oh, it's coming from a moral when they lose. Coming, coming, coming from a newsie. Who like just waiting for chaos? You 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 appreciate? I don't wait don't for chaos. Come on. People don't panic. Yeah. Yes. Whatever, thank Aslan. you. Whatever. Thank you. I don't. No. There's no panic here. If we if we go another couple games and we play as crappy as we did on on Saturday, fine. Fine. We can start. Fine. Getting, fine. 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 Nice start to the week, Aslam. <laughs> hey, it's almost nice Friday. It's you. almost Friday. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Sonia. Um, yeah. Thanks, boys. <laughs> Take care. There she is. Sonia has some news 1130. Uh, 26 minutes after 7 o'clock here. Uh, the final four is set in the National Football League. Man, you talk about star power. A-Rod, Brady, Mahomes, Allen, our Monday morning quarterback, Natea J joins us next right here on your home of the Canucks. It's game day, people. Sportsnet 650. Lamar Jackson back to throw. Guns it into the end zone, intercepted! Two yards deep in the end zone, intercepted by Taron Johnson. And he brings it out, and he's still on the run. He may go all the way. He's in the Baltimore 40. The 30 gets a block at the 20, 10, 5. Touchdown! Touchdown! Taron Johnson goes 102 yards with an end zone interception. Touchdown, Buffalo! 
This is the starting lineup with James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski on Sportsnet 650. You know, for all the heartbreak and all the misery over the last quarter century that the Buffalo Bills have endured, man, watching that play go down on Saturday night, you were like, finally, nice things can happen. James Sabolski, Perry Solkowski here on the starting lineup on this Monday, January the 18th. Natea J, our Monday morning quarterback, with us as well as the final four is set. AFC Championship, Bills and Chiefs, Packers and Bucks in the NFC Championship, Brady and A-Rod, Mahomes, fingers crossed, against Josh Allen. Man, this is a pretty good final four, today, wouldn't you say? Absolutely. I mean, I couldn't think of a, a better final four when you – you're coming into the season, you're thinking about the best quarterbacks in the league and the teams that have the chance to go to this championship game. These are the teams that you're thinking of, right? So I couldn't think of a better matchup. It's it's great for the fans. It's great for, you know, everybody watching because you got a little bit of everything. You know, you got young, you got old, you got marquee teams in Green Bay Packers, you got a marquee player in Tom Brady who's, you know, seems to be in this game for the last 14 years and, and Buffalo, an up-and-coming team, a team that like you mentioned the fan base is is going absolutely crazy, jumping through tables just because they're in this game. So it's everything for everyone. No disrespect, Nate, to the four teams that are left, but the phrase defense wins championships is kind of out the window this year, wouldn't you think? Yeah, I mean, you think about it with without fans and, you know, everything go, going on with COVID, you know, it's giving you know, opposing quarterbacks that are going into these stadiums, you know, an easier time because you think about even Jared Goff going into Seattle last week, right? You know, most of the time or, or Wofford, most of the time, he, th- those quarterbacks can't operate their offense. They're having to, you know, communicate with the sign language and, 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 you know, can't even do a regular cadence because the crowd is so loud and then you'll see the false start. So, you know, that was really – uh, advantage for you know some of these uh, uh, stadiums, but yeah, this scoring is up because you know both quarterbacks can operate you know seemingly with you know quiet crowds and and everything and and you know kind of audible to each run their entire offense because you know there's no off uh, there, there's no fans, but you know there's a lot of factors that are going into it. You know there's a higher emphasis on offense. You know all the rules. You know. Uh, uh, you know, lean towards the offensive side, even the way they're calling the penalties early in the season, right? They're, you know, more, you know, not calling holding penalties, but calling more pass interference penalties. So a lot of the things that, you know, happened this year, you know, geared more towards having more offense. And you saw that a lot. Uh, let's So let's kind of dive in here. Drew Brees, with what we saw yesterday, tough way to go out yesterday in the, uh, you know, in the NFC playoffs, three picks, just a, just kind of a nasty game for him. Do you think we've seen the last of it? Yeah, I do. Uh, just watching, you know, just the whole season, you know, just he just didn't look like the old Drew Brees. Obviously, the depth of targets that, you know, was pretty normal, right? He was, He's not a deep ball thrower. He's more of an accuracy guy. But even when, when guys are wide open, right, and, you know, he had a couple of seam shots, there were, you know, you know, Emmanuel Sanders is open, but the ball's taking forever to get there, and dudes are be, uh, DBs are able to make plays on the ball where if you just had a, you know, average arm strength, you know, that ball's getting zipped in there, and you know, guys have a chance to run. So, you know, you're seeing he knows his brain is still active, right? His footwork is still active. You know, he's he's getting the team in, in great plays, and but he just his arm is just not there. And you saw it throughout the whole year, and you know, a lot of jokes going around, but it was really evident with an extremely fast defense in Tampa Bay that. You know, he just he just can't get it done at consistently uh, in, anymore. And it's, it's sad to see. I mean, 
you know, I think the last uh, great quarterback to go out like that, and no one ever remembers it, but it was it was Dan Marino, right? He lost his last playoff game, sixty-two to seven, but no one ever remembers that, right? So I think you know we're gonna remember more of, of his highlights and his highs, and you know, you look at him in the quarterback rankings, right? He's top three in literally every important category, and that's probably what we're gonna remember. But you know, definitely a tough way to go off for him, but he's accomplished so much, and there's nothing to be uh, to hang his head on. Brady gets the win, but did you think Brady was great? I mean, their defense did the job. Brady gets saved by an incredible catch by Johnson to keep a drive alive. I mean, I don't look at that game and go, oh, Tampa Bay and Green Bay, they got a shot at it because Tom was terrific. I I thought he managed the game, but I didn't think Brady was great yesterday. No, I didn't either. And, you know, he was fortunate to, you know, have those three turnovers where, you know, he had three drives where he only has to go 63 yards for – the entire three drives that they score on, right, because of the turnovers and the field position that they're afforded. But it was it seemed like more of a, a Patriots-style game, right? Keep the game close, right? Play great defense, right? Not so much special teams. They didn't, they didn't get better on special teams, but keep the game close. And right there at the end, Dave Brady can take over and, and do his thing. But he wasn't great throughout this game. I mean, 199 yards passing, right? It, was, it wasn't a, a prototypical Brady game, but in the playoffs – I mean, that was kind of the blueprint the Patriots had used, you know, so much, right? Let your defense take over, you know, hand the ball off. He had a great run from uh, Jones and and Fournette. Fournette really broke out there. And, you know, that's probably going to be the formula going forward for them. Like, don't hang it all on Brady, right? Don't have him to throw in deep balls left, right, and center. No, let your defense do the work. Let him hang off, hand the ball off, and and use play action effectively. And and when it comes time for the fourth quarter, you know he still has that magic in him. When, when you look at uh, Natea J, our Monday morning quarterback with us here on Sportsnet 650, Chad Henney, what he does, especially those two final plays to kind of win it, give me a sense of what that does for a team when your backup, you know, kind of steps in and does what he does. And, man, not just not just like the fourth and one to go for it and get that first down to Tyreek, but that 12-and-a-half-yard run on third and 14, like just just spectacular. Yeah, man, like they, Chad Henney, unbelievable game for him. And to step in there when when everybody, the momentum's against you, right? You know, Mahomes gets hurt. Everybody in the building thinks, okay, man, Mahomes is hurt. We're going to lose. But then you take a second and pause, and you're like, okay, we still got Kelsey. They still got uh, Tariq Hill. They still got Hardman. They still got all these weapons, right? He should be able to, you know, kind of close this out. But honestly, the thing I love about, you know, Andy Reid, and even last week when we saw uh, Taylor Henneke in there, like, they're calling these plays like the starters in there, right? I hate, you know, whenever the teams get in trouble, is they start and their backup gets in there, they start changing the game plan and, you know, running the ball more. Well, the other team knows you're going to run the ball more, right? So just call the same plays. I mean, these quarterbacks, they're the backup quarterbacks. Obviously, they're not the starter for a reason. But if you if you handcuff them and start calling the plays like they're a backup, the defense is going to key and they're going to smell blood and they're going to it's going to be even worse. So I love the fact that they're calling the same plays they would call for Pat Mahomes and, and, you know, that helped them because, you know, especially on that last fourth and one where, you know, they're thinking, okay, we're, we're standing here. We're going to try to draw you off guard. Right. But they get them on their heels for half a second. Next thing you know, Tariq Hill is faking like he's going to the middle, to the flat. The one second is all you need. And, and he was able to complete it. And, and, and credit goes to him. Credit goes to the coaching staff, you know, for believing him. And I saw something uh, where Henny was talking about with the thing he loves about the Chiefs is like in practice, you know, they let everyone try, you know, to their like to their max what 
they're good at. So Mahomes, you know, sidearm, no look behind the back. They let him try all that, right? See what you can do in practice. And they, they give that reign to almost everyone. So um, Henny in practice, he's in there. And when he gets his opportunity, he's able to test his limits. They call the same plays they would call for Mahomes. And you saw it paid off there. Yeah, I just no one expected that. I see Le'Veon Bell's on Twitter early this morning kind of reminding everybody that he plays on that team. You really didn't see him much at all. Um, you know, I, I mentioned if defense was going to win championships, then we'd be talking about the Rams having a shot at, at it, and that was nowhere the case. Uh, is there anybody stopping the Green Bay Packers and Aaron Rodgers? Because to me, they were the best team on the weekend. I agree with you, and I, I don't know. If, if there was a team, it probably would have been L.A., right, because they had the best defense uh, of all the teams left, uh, you know, New Orleans being a close second. But, you know, it, it's tough when a team is rolling on all cylinders like the way Aaron Rodgers is, because even when they don't win a play, he's able to make stuff off script that, you know, it just defies logic, right? And your defense just can't hold up, whether you're playing zone or man, you can't hold up for the, as long as uh, he has, right? And he's so precise w- with his passes and the connection he has with Devontae Adams. It just reminds me of back in the day with, you know, Peyton Manning and Marvin Harrison when, you know, I've talked about this before, when they just look at each other and give a little head nod or a little wink or a little smile. Next thing you know, he's beating you over the top for for a touchdown. And how do you stop that, right? Like, they, they, they're so in sync right now where, where no matter what defense you're playing, Aaron Rodgers is going to recognize it. Right, he's gonna get his team in the right play. He's gonna do an audible. He's gonna. It could be a run play, and he'll. T- the whole team thinks it's a run play, but he'll tell Devonte, "Hey, man, you know, run a bubble, run a screen, you know, take him, run a fade." And then, how do you stop something like that, right? So it's just they're in sync right now. They look like the best team. Their defense is playing surprisingly really well, and they really stepped up of late. And you know, I looked, I looked uh, to them to be making a run at the Super Bowl this year, just because of the way you know they're playing such complimentary football. And Aaron Rodgers seems like is at top of his game right now. You think the Chiefs can beat the Bills without Mahomes? I say no. It's hard to say yes. But if a team could do it, it, it would be the Chiefs because of the weapons that they had. And I mentioned, right, uh, Andy Reid is, is a terrific coach. I mean, him and Doug Peterson, whenever they don't have their starting quarterback, they, they seem to pull a hat out of the rabbit. So I wouldn't discount it. I mean, everybody's probably would be betting uh, Buffalo if, if, if Mahomes can't play, right? But um, I, I wouldn't put it past them. I wouldn't be surprised if they won because there's so much talent. I mean, even without Mahomes, they probably have a little bit more talent uh, than the Buffalo Bills, and they probably have the coaching advantage at this point, right? But uh, you, if you're a Chiefs fan, you don't want to find out what it's like without Mahomes. You definitely don't. And if I was a betting man, I would bet Mahomes plays, no matter what those doctors say. say. <laughs> well, you're a player, though. How different do they game plan if they know inside that Chiefs locker room that, that, that he's iffy? Or the fact is you can't game plan any differently depending on who your quarterback yeah, is. Yeah, that's that's a tough one because you know, you you hold if you're the Bills, you're game planning like Mahomes is playing and, and you're you're just you're just gonna adjust, you know, as, as you go. You are not gonna think, hey, Mahomes is not playing and get surprised and then he plays, right? And then if you're thinking if you're thinking Mahomes is playing, you're already preparing prepare for the best quarterback, right? So, you know, all you have to do when if Henny's playing is probably you know, bring a little bit more pressure because, you know, you don't want him comfortable back there. You want him reading stuff on the fly and and you don't want him to get his running game going. Right. Because that's probably what would help him the most. So that's uh, that's an in-game adjustment you can always make. But you always want to prepare for you know, the harder task and then adjust adjust from there. Hey, we're up against the clock. But of those four quarterbacks that are available right now in the final four, who would you want to catch passes from? Ooh, 
I would want to catch pass from Aaron Rodgers, and it's it's kind of it's kind of not close because Aaron Rodgers. It's almost like the ball catches you, right? You could be running covered, plastered, or dude all over you. Somehow he's gonna fit the ball between you know the DB's hands and then right in perfectly into your hands, right? So he almost does a lot of the work for you because even when you're not open, he, he you know he'll the ball will get you open. So uh, probably Aaron Rodgers, and it seems so effortless when he throws the ball. I've never seen a guy throw a ball you know, so pretty, so easy, and so effortlessly, right? So Aaron Rodgers would probably, probably be the, the number one. And, uh, yeah, definitely Aaron Rodgers. Just don't drop it. He'd give you the death scare. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't get another pass after that. So. Yeah, don't pull, a, don't pull a Mims like in Chicago there against the Saints. Um, hey, stay, stay safe out there, man. Nice to catch up. And just think in a week from now we'll be talking about the Super Bowl matchup. So looking forward to that. Looking forward to it. Can't wait. Take care, guys. Stay safe. Thanks, there he is, our Monday morning quarterback, Natea Jay, weighing in on the NFL's conference uh, championships, which go next Sunday. Bills and Chiefs in the AFC, Packers and Bucks in the NFC. Uh, lots more still to come. Your Canucks commute coming your way at the top of the clock here. Uh, Corey Herschel drop by. It's game day. It's the Canucks and Flames, round number two, and it goes down later tonight right here on Sportsnet 650. Welcome to the starting lineup with James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski on the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. All right, 10 minutes to 8 o'clock. Your Canucks commute coming your way at the top of the clock on a day that uh, JT Miller returns to the lineup. James Sabolski, Perry Solkowski with you, and uh, a boost that the Canucks could certainly use, even though it's only three games into the season. Don on the Dunbar Lumber text line here, Paris saying, you know, so you're telling me that our game plan tonight is to score more goals and then get scored on less. All jokes aside, it's three games. We've got too much talent on the team to keep on playing at this level. It will turn around, and I think JT Miller should certainly help that. Well, suggesting, obviously, they have to play at a higher level. Uh, our poll question this morning um, is quite simple. We know JT Miller's back, so who's out? It's not like it's difficult to go or they can't afford to drop this guy. Our options we gave you, Gaudet, Hoglander, McEwen, Vertanen uh, right now. And I think this is what the coach will do. Zach McEwen, 63% uh, leading the way by Canucks fans, thinking that'll be the lineup change. And I think he goes to what he hoped for the very first time. This was my lineup going into the season. JT Miller's there, slide Vertanen back to play with Goddard and Roussel and, and see what you have there. It's interesting, though, James, you know, he kind of referred Travis Green did during his press conference yesterday. Hey, you know, maybe we make some switches, too, uh, on the back end. You know, Rathbone gets a chance. Maybe Jalen Chatfield gets a chance. The question I will have for this coaching staff and every coaching staff in the North Division is when do you not look at a game and go, you know what, though, if we lose this one, this is this is going to hurt. Like Canucks lose the first, well, you know, when do you put in? There's going to have to be the the trust factor because there's no easy nights to go, okay, this is the night to slot him in and make a kid have an NHL debut and get nine or ten minutes. There's just – there won't be any opportunities other than baptism by fire to say you're in now because there's no easy night to go. It'll be simpler when we got Montreal on the line. Well, and, and, and you know, that comes uh, the first home game uh, looming later this week on Wednesday night. I'll, I'll tell you this, uh, our Sportsnet 650 Twitter poll question we're asking you this morning, with JT Miller back in the lineup uh, tonight, who gets dropped? Uh, who is a healthy scratch, if you will? The options we gave you, Adam Gaudette, 
Niels Hoaglander, Zach McEwen, or Jake Vertanen. Right now, 63% of you overwhelmingly say the Zach attack is most likely to draw out, and I would agree with that. You know, For McEwen, for as much praise that the organization has heaped on him, I just haven't really seen that spark from him engaging. And now, in fairness, the team's been chasing the game, but boy, you know, maybe something physical would have sparked that team on Saturday night against the Flames where, you know, the Canucks kind of looked like they were just sleepwalking on Saturday in Calgary. Uh, Zach McCune was a guy that I really loved last year. In the, in the regular season near crunch time, he brought some energy. Remember, they took him out of the lineup and they brought Louie back in. I thought, you're kidding me. McCune was very, very noticeable in games he played, whether he was scoring, fighting, or hitting. You, you got an energy burst when he went across. I expected more from him. Um Right from the get-go here, there's hey, there's expect expectations were higher for a lot of guys than what they've shown, but uh, I, I would suggest he's the right guy to be pulled out to bring JT back and and put Jake uh, back into that lineup. So we'll see if they make it. And I also wonder, you know, you can talk all you want about how you are going to play things out. You can you can do a quarterback and go here's the first 15 scripted plays, and then sometimes you adjust. I wonder as Jacob Markstrom will get another start for Calgary tonight. Holpe has been good. It'll be Demko tonight unless something changes. How often do you go back and forth, back and forth, one plays one game, one plays the other? Because I would suggest if this is two weeks down the road, the Canucks are still kind of struggling, but get a win, you're going to see a goalie play back to back to back if they're winning and the space allows it. I don't think we're going to see this platooning. You got one, I got one. Maybe to start, but at some point you're going to have to pick a guy who's playing more hockey games and be a definitive number one. Sure, and I don't think that I don't think that has lent itself yet. I mean, we'll get into Not this yet. with Corey Hirsch in, in a moment here, but it's been three games. Like, would you say from what you've seen in training camp and from the three games that there's a clear cut number one right now? No, absolutely not. But, but when does that time come? I think is a very valid question, and you know what? We'll get into it with somebody who's been a goalie coach in the National Hockey League, and that's our own Sportsnet 650 hockey analyst Corey Hirsch, who's calling a game in oh about ten hours from now with round two of the Flames and the Canucks, and we're going to talk to Corey next on your Canucks commute right here on your home of the Canucks. It's game day right here on Sportsnet 650. A cup of Joe and the Canuck commute. There's been a lot of teams in the league that have probably gone through that already and we hadn't but as far as a player being out of the lineup we don't treat it any differently than we would at any other time we're going to lose players and yet we still got to go and play and and win a five-star morning on the starting lineup eight o'clock on this Monday, January the 18th, what's happening? It is game day, Canucks and Flames round number two after the Canucks were spanked and shut out by Jacob Markstrom, Chris Tanev, and the Flames back on Saturday night. A reminder, this hour of the Canucks commute is a presentation of Surrey Honda, the uh, located at 152nd and Fraser Highway. Go visit Nasir and the gang where you'll find quality and community. James Sabolski, Perry Solkowski with you. Corey Hirsch will join us in just a couple of minutes. Perry, I'll go back to what you were saying, you know, in terms of just a couple moments ago with respect to goaltending. I, I think you kind of let this thing play out organically over the next few weeks here, right? You've got kind of a 1-1A one one situation with Holtby and Denpo. I would assume that Thatcher Demko will get the start tonight and both guys kind of feeling their way out until somebody gets on a run. Well, I, I think you can play out organically if the team is, is playing 500 hockey. But but I think, and we're waiting for a lot of these guys to kick it into gear, 
if the team in front of you is not playing well, you're not in a position to go, geez, we finally won one after losing, after losing three. And the guy who gets the win uh, isn't going to play the next game uh, because it's not his turn. I, I think it's one thing to say organically and give them four or five of these games, just trade one and two. But at that point, James, if you're, if you're 20% through your season, I think at some point you have to decide. We can say it's great to have two goalies and confidence in both, and I think the Canucks probably have arguably the best tandem in the NHL if Thatcher Demko continues to improve. But at some point, you're going to go, we need points here. We're not playing well. If we get a win, then whoever's in net when we get the win, they get the next game. I think we might be a week or two away from it, but I think it's quicker than we anticipated. At least I would because now you're just going, you're getting to, you're starting to play must must win games in a sense. Man, you can't lose these series to teams because it's going to be tough to get those points back. So I, I think quicker than I anticipated, they'll go, okay, we're running with this guy for a while. I, I don't know if you can do that just yet. Like they just finished a stretch of playing three and four nights. I don't think you're playing a goaltender three and four nights right now. And nope. they're about to start another three and four nights tonight where they got the Flames tonight, and then it's Montreal Wednesday, Thursday here at Rogers Arena. So you got another stretch of three and four. I would anticipate that you know Thatcher Demko will probably play two of the next three games here just the way the schedule kind of lines up and then you know now you then you get a little bit of a gap where you're going game break game break game break um on the schedule but for for the next week but i would say at this point in time the way the schedule maps out for the vancouver canucks right now when you're playing a lot of condensed games you got a good two tandem goaltending system right now. Why not use it? I, like at some point, I get the idea of wanting to run with somebody and have kind of an alpha dog, and I totally get the logic to that, and I like the idea of that. Just not right now. I think you got some time on your side to let this play out, and at some point in time, you hope that the power play is going to figure things out because, oh, for eleven. I mean, that's just not statistically sustainable, right? At some point, the Canucks are going to be due, and welcoming JT Miller back to the lineup tonight should be a major difference maker for this team, especially when it comes to Elias Pettersson and Brock Besser with the lotto line back intact. Yeah, you you can't hide away. You know, back to finish the goaltending thought, I think by the first of next month, we might have a decision where one guy gets more play than the other. Um, But let's not hide hide away from the fact. Elias Pettersson is expected to be an NHL superstar on every night he plays. When he jumps over the bench, you expect him to do something. He expects to do something. That hasn't been the case right now. Um, He's taken some time to figure it out. We're three games in. I understand that. He made a smart play in that first game, but I don't think he has been the dominant player that I think he expected to be, and I think the fans expect it to be. JT Miller will certainly help that cause, but they need more from number 40. Right now, I, I think if you look across the board, there's a lot of guys that kind of had just been feeling things out. Going, okay, when when do I get into a groove here? It'll start by scoring. It'll start with confidence. Uh, but for right now, after three games, the Vancouver Canucks have been okay. And okay in the North Division has you uh, with a one and two record right now, especially if you can't score. 
650-650 is the Dunbar Lumber text line. Always welcome the debate and the discussion. Weigh in with your thoughts. Uh, Give me your impressions of what you've seen so far over the first three games here from the Canucks. What would you like to see more of? What sort of tweaks you'd like to see? Always welcome it. Uh, Perry and I welcome the conversation, the debate, the discussion, as we also say good morning to Corey Hirsch, our Sportsnet 650 hockey analyst, sponsored by Manifest Practical Counseling that helps guys get a grip on life's challenges, improve your level of function, see manifest.me to get started. Hershey, man, we're not panicking just yet, but there's certainly some room for improvement when we look at special teams so far for the Vancouver Canucks. We're, we're not panicking? Did I get <laughs> nope. that straight? Okay, good. Not yet. Not I, I don't yet. want to okay. panic. <laughs> <laughs> How does it sound on your end? You guys good? I don't have my microphone today. We got you, buddy. We got you. Beautiful. Here. Beautiful. Um, you know what, as far as the Canucks go, it's a power play, but it's, it's, it's not even, it's not so much the power play. It's the lack of getting into the dirty areas and having grit. Like you're, you, you can shoot all you want. Like when I was a goalie, obviously I wanted teams to shoot from where the Canucks were shooting. I loved what, you know, I don't care if you got a one-timer from the outside where Brock Besser is or Pedersen. I know they have bombs, but, um, if I can get, you know, uh, if, if I know I don't have to worry about a rebound or somebody in front, like. That's I can just square up and I can make the save and and shoot from the outside all you want all night long I'll make those saves no problem so it's not about um, even the power play per se it's 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 the same thing five on five and it's the same thing on the power plays there's just nobody getting inside and and grit and determination and and, and you know and that's that's how you're going to score on the power play it's it's not really pretty it's getting guys in front and into those dirty areas are they trying to be too pretty. I mean, they throw the puck around really well on the outside, but that doesn't do anything for them. Um, yeah. No. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. No, and I, I wonder if they're just at cost for it. There's so much natural talent on this team, yeah. but like you say, you, you kind of need a junkyard dog in there to to offset all the talent. Well, that's JT Miller. I mean, that's, ultimately, that's what he brought to the table, right? Is a guy that that uh, goes and digs pucks out, and he gets into the dirty areas, and he's a gritty player. So. I'm hoping that changes things. Um, Hoaglander tried to be that guy, right? But he's not. He's not. I admire. I, I, I love Hoaglander. But he's not. He's not going to be that guy that's going to, uh, as a 20-year-old rookie, to to get that done. Um, yeah. So you need a veteran player that's going to go and dig pucks out with some skill. Uh, and you, you'd think Bo Horvat would be that. But he, Bo's, got, Bo's not that type of player either. Like, Bo's more of a smart, um, you know, he'll get into that high slot area. Uh uh, so you need a guy that's going to get into those areas, and that's JT Miller. And we'll hopefully see the uh, the benefits to that later on tonight when he plays his first game. It's all expected against the Flames. Uh, give me a sense of what you uh, you took away from the, the former Canucks, and you watched a lot of games with Chris Tanev and J- uh, Jacob Markstrom for their time here in Vancouver. But, boy, oh, boy, the, uh, for anybody that would have been on the uh, – you know what? The Canucks should have signed these two guys and kept them here in house. Um, you know, you were probably saying, "I told you so." After watching that yeah. play out on Saturday night, give me a sense of what you saw from those two. I think letting go of Markstrom was still the right decision. The shout out doesn't matter to me. It was the Canucks didn't do anything to make it easy or hard on Markstrom, anyways. But I respect him, and I think he's a he's an outstanding goalie. And um, do I wish you still in Vancouver? Yeah, but not for that. You know, the contract was a contract. Like, the, the Canucks made a good decision not signing him to that deal. It just was too much money and too much term for a guy that's 30, 31 years old. So, um, 
letting them go to Calgary was kind of like, yeah, not really their, you know, probably a great thing. Um, but what could they do? That's not really their choice. But I think, you know, I was watching and man, I was watching the penalty kill and I'm watching that, um, uh, that right side and good Lord, are we going to miss Chris Tanev? Um, and I never thought I'd ever say that, but I watched him on that penalty kill on that right side. And I watched the Canucks on that right side and, uh, we are going to miss Chris Tanev. I, I, that's a guy maybe that I, I think they're going to regret not signing. Can you not? So Hershey, you telling me there is blocking shots and there's a Chris Tanev way of blocking shots. There's just a grit, determination, and effort, and it doesn't have to be a fight, right? Like, there's just a, a guy that, that's a warrior that gives you his heart and soul, um, that'll put his body in front of everything, that'll battle, that'll fight, you know, maybe doesn't give you the greatest things offensively or whatever, um, but there's just a character there that is around him that I think the Canucks are going to miss. Uh, and I didn't really recognize that either myself until I saw it watch Saturday and I watched him on that penalty kill, uh, and the Canucks on their penalty kill. And it's just, he's just a different, um, you need those guys. You need those guys that'll just do anything for their team, anything for their teammates on, on the back end. And that's, I think we're going to miss Chris Tanner. Well, and, you know, I'm, but I'm sure as we've all kind of seen over the last probably eight years, um, He'll probably miss a quarter of the season too, right? Yeah, right. Of the, and maybe of the you will, but that's the, what you get with a guy like that that throws his body in front of everything, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know. Now, Hershey, and, and we're three games in. I understand that. But I think, and, and maybe you, you weren't in agreement with this, I think the blue line's better and upgraded with, with Hamannick and, and Schmidt coming in, replacing a Stetcher and a Tanef. You may disagree. But I'd say this, three games in, do you think Nate Schmidt's just trying to figure out how this team plays and not wanting to make a mistake in his own end? Because I thought we might see a few more. All right, and he's got a goal from the blue line, but I thought we'd see more of Nate Schmidt carrying the play from the back end. Yeah, you know what, Perry, and I don't, I don't, no, I don't disagree with you. I think the defense has been upgraded. Um, I just think in that area where Chris Tanev has missed is that is that blocking shot, gritty determination. You know, you're, and that's something that. Uh, they'll have to find and you, it's you, you know I don't I don't I do agree that it's been upgraded Nate Schmidt I think the we have to temper expectations I think we think that he should be a more of a, a skilled guy but you got to remember Vegas put Theodore on the power play right on that first unit it wasn't Nate Schmidt like Nate Schmidt's a guy that'll play he's a, he's a, an Alex Edler like he's a, he's a guy that'll play 24 minutes um, you can put him on your first power play, but really he's more of a second unit power play guy. He's got some skill. He makes a good first pass, but he's not, you know, he's not an elite offensive defenseman. Uh, so I think we need to temper expectations on what he is. And that's a myth that, that comes out of like a lot of players around the league. And then you have too much expectation. And then when they don't meet that expectation, you're like, ah, well, he sucks, you know, like, no, he's, he, we need to know what he is. And he's a guy that munches minutes, that can make some skilled plays um, that might be able to chip in every once in a while. And so uh, we need around Vancouver to just not uh, have those ex- – or, or we're going to end up running this guy out of town because he's not that guy that's going to put up 40 points as a defenseman or, no. or whatever. He's going to chip in. He's going to munch some minutes. He's going to be able – you're going to play in 25 minutes. Um, 
and and uh, you know that's my thing, and and that's what I worry about Vancouver is we run guys out of town, thinking what they should be, and then realizing you know they're not what we thought they were. No, a hundred percent, right? And and I think the numbers would would show that he's not necessarily mm-hmm. a guy that nobody should be expecting 50, 50 plus points from the yeah, guy. No. Um, you know, and, and I mean, but he can play a, a very strong two way game and and yeah. is, is solid. I know he's he's been fine. I mean, look at opening night; he played twenty four minutes, and I think we all kind of liked it. it. Was solid, not spectacular, and he's finding ways to contribute. Um, you know, but look, the Canucks have their hands full. One of the things I kind of went off and at six thirty this morning, but just kind of the funky start for Tyler Mott. I mean, you know, it starts with the slew foot in, in the scrimmage on Adam Gaudet that sparks a fight. But, you know, here's a guy who's one of the team's best penalty killers, if not the best penalty killer. But, Corey, it's awfully hard to have your best penalty killer killing penalties when he's in the box. I mean, four of the four, three of the four penalties he's taken this year have resulted in goals for the other team on the man advantage. And nobody knows that more than Tyler Mott, right? Like we know Tyler Mott's very self-aware of what's going on. So I expect that to change. I thought that was unusual at Tyler Mott too. And and when you do that, sometimes you're trying to do too much, right? Rather it than seems that smart. way. Totally. Yeah. Yes. And rather than just play smart, do your job. Um, he may have come in this year thinking that he may, needed to be more of a pest or more aggressive or, or, he, or he wanted to take a stronger role. Um, so I don't know what's going on in Tyler Mott's head, but that I know I'm not worried. It'll change, but you're right. Like those are bad penalties. Those were those were penalties where you're you go in, you check a guy, and he beats you, and you're you're PO'd or you don't move your feet, and then you hook him or you slash and you, right? Like um, that's not the Tyler Mott we know, and the coaching staff will, will take care of that. I think. Do you think number forty is getting frustrated? Uh uh, he's, you know what? I remember last year he had a bit of a slow start uh, where he was missing the net, passing up shots. Yeah. Um, the guy that'll get better, I think, as these games go on, as the year goes on, I think teams are playing him a lot. Like he's not getting a lot of room out there either, right? He's facing the on the road, he's facing the other team's top line. You can't get him out there against the third and fourth line because you don't have last change. So I, I think on the road, it's a lot harder for guys like, you know, Pedersen and. Uh, you know, because you're getting, he's facing their best lines, their best checking lines. Um, so I, I expect that to change too. Uh, but he does pass up shots when he's not feeling as confident. And I think, you know, he just got hit. You just like that one time, like when I watch Ovechkin, and I know Pedersen is an Ovechkin, but he doesn't care who's in front of him, who's blocking shots, who the goalie, like he rips a bomb at one time or every time. And, and he does it because he knows that if you block it, uh, it's going to hurt, and the next time around, you're going to open up some space. Like, there's a setup there with Ovechkin, right? Like, um, and Pedersen passes up shots, and then so the next time the guy comes around to block it, he's not afraid of blocking it, right? And and so he's got a bomb. He's got to start teeing up shots, and I'll, and I'll tell you a little story. So, And I, I probably have told this before, but Mike Gartner used to – I practiced Mike Gartner, scored 30 goals a year for like umpteen years. Yeah, first like one, 500. practice was at my head. Second one was between my legs. And this was practice <laughs> every day. And you know what it was? It was the setup, right? Like it was the waste one at his head the first time. And the second one, he's going to be thinking about it. You know, we're going five hole, right? So that's my point with Pedersen. Make them think about it, right? And and he passes up shots and he doesn't do that. And that's a, a veteran player as he gets older, he'll figure that out. 
Yeah. Thanks, well, pal. here's hoping that the Canucks can uh, get some sort of uh, do something, right? Go go aim one at the yeah. bull, like from uh, Bull Durham, and then uh, and then right down the pipe uh, somehow, yeah. some way. But thanks, Hershey. Need a little more grit. Yeah. All good. Thanks, gents. Thank you. There he is, uh, Sportsnet 650 hockey analyst Corey Hirsch up and at him bright and early this morning, a presentation of Manifest. And uh, you know what? The pregame show starts 4 o'clock this afternoon here on Sportsnet 650. Batch and Hershey with the call coming your way at 6 o'clock this evening uh, from Calgary before they return home for uh, a series with the Montreal Canadiens. But I'll tell you what, I, I expect a much better pushback from the Canucks tonight. There's that sort of sense of urgency on the second leg of these uh, home and home series or these uh, these little mini series that we're seeing so far. I would I would anticipate the Canucks being better tonight, but they've got to get they've got to get this special teams going in a big way, and not just the power play pair, but the penalty kill. Like they are absolutely reeling through the first three games from a special team standpoint. Well, let's take what you said there. You would expect the Canucks to be better tonight. I think maybe we don't give enough credit to the fact that last August, uh, the Canucks put the NHL world on notice going, we can play. And I think everyone, when they played the Canucks, said this, this is going to be a good hockey team. They're a couple years away. And they, they pushed that envelope and said, no, it's now. So now to Hershey's point, and they've been the road team the whole time, and matchups, not that the Canucks were ever taken lightly last year, but when you're seeing the schedule, I don't think they were the top 10, 15 teams that you were worried about. Now in this division, you know how often you see them. Concentration level and who they have to shut down is at a premium for each game. And the expectations are higher. And the expectations from the opponent are they're better. And the Canucks and their fans are going, okay, we should be able to do this. And maybe what we're seeing is just the adjustment period of, hey, you are going to get a lot more focus on you now because you deserve it. You've shown that you can play with the best, that you have uh, everybody in key positions. And so now it doesn't make it as easy. I can remember back in the Burton Jobo days when, when the West Coast was just starting to go and we had a conversation about playing with expectations. And that's what the Canucks are doing. They're now playing with expectations. Yes, they've always had it within, but now it's amongst the league. It's amongst the fan base that if you're not in on every game, if you're not creating quality chances, that's subpar now. And it's, it's something they have to deal with, and we'll see what they can do. To your point, lose the first of a series, you expect more desperation and bounce back. Let's see if they can do it tonight. Well, and and you know what? We've got you covered here on Sportsnet 650, but you know, you've got to find a way to generate more offense. JT Miller, your leading point getter from last season, is back in the lineup, so that, in theory, should be a major plus for the Vancouver Canucks and try to kickstart a guy who's essentially the franchise player in Elias Pettersson, but you just want to see some of that. Look, they've got they've got six guys who've scored so far this season, pair, right? You know, Besser's got two of them. You got Horvat who's got one. You got Gaudet, Hoaglander, and Mott, and then you got Nate Schmidt, right? You need to find a way to get more. And I mean, it's it's a simple like you score, you win, right? You, you score more goals than the other team. It's a very simple math formula here in the game of hockey. But I get why it's only three games. But here's the reality. You know, a three-game sample size may not seem like a whole lot, and we can say it's early, but it's a 56-game season, right? Two more games, mm-hmm. pair. That's 10% of the year, right? 10%'s not nothing, right? Like if five games becomes a significant sample size in the big picture. No, that's exactly it. So, And, and you can say slow start, no preseason. That's fair. And you hope that maybe if that power play is clicking, 
you're in a better position. You're also going to find teams that are on a roll. Well, to see what happens tonight in Edmonton, but I think the Montreal Canadiens, you know, as can happen, some teams come flying out of the gate. Montreal Canadiens may be that team going, oh, okay, everybody's having fun. They're on the road together, uh, going to Alberta. They'll play, they'll spend a whole week in Vancouver. Um, it's, it's when you are going to catch teams. And, and trust me, you want a desperation. How about the Toronto Maple Leafs losing to Ottawa? You know, the, the, the one sleeper that everyone thought in this division and, and the, the, how the guys were squeezing the stick late in that game when it's 3-2 to go, we better pick up the full two points here against the Ottawa Senators. And if you're in an NHL, you're a good hockey player. And the Sens, I think, will take umbrage with the fact that, oh, yeah, no, the Sens, there's no way they're doing anything. They're going to upset some hockey teams. And if you lose to them, you feel like it got away. So you will have teams on a roll and teams that will be on a little bit of a slide. It's avoiding that slide. And I would suggest, unfortunately, two or three games means a slide in this 56-game schedule, and you can ill afford to go there because it's going to be tough, as you say, in a short season to make those points up. A couple of people on the Dunbar-Lumber text line chiming in at 650-650. Uh, Leaf hater Steve says, if JT Miller wasn't coming back, I'd say please take Jake off the top line and put Mott there. Jake is becoming the new Erickson. You know, look, I, I don't think Jake Bertanen's been the biggest problem, but I think it's just, you know, you, you build yourself up with, you know, there's sort of, okay, it's a clean sheet of ice, and then you kind of hope to see something different. And you know what? I mean, I, there's been enough of a sample size here, right? I mean, he is who he is, right? Just to kind of modify what Denny, Denny Green said all those years ago, right? Like, Jake Bertanen is who we thought he was, right? <laughs> like... Like, uh, why expect something different now, seven years later? It's just, hey, he's going to be enigmatic. He's going to be invisible for stretches. And then he's going to go on a run where he'll score a bunch of games uh, uh, in a bunch of games. And, and people will be popping beers, uh, you know, for the for the short term. Right. And then he goes MIA again. Uh, another uh, another one uh, chiming in here. Pedersen is the, starting his third season. All he needs to do is follow the guidance of his coach and not people from the media in this market who beak off too much on the radio. Hey, look, I think everybody's loved what they've seen from Elias Pedersen, but I would say these first three games for a guy who was going to be in consideration for a heart trophy in the eyes of some odds makers, in the eyes of some experts, we haven't seen that. We haven't seen Petey take over a game yet. No, and, and when you're an NHL superstar, if you played three games, you expect at some point you go, okay, there's even if you have four or five really good shifts where you go, oh, man, they can't yeah, take yeah. the puck away from them. Hasn't been there yet, right? The expectations, Pedersen would tell you he hasn't played well yet. I mean, we're not hiding anything. He's the third year in the league, first year kind of the number one center that'll have his name on the opposing board going, let's watch him. And so now he'll have to learn to battle through it. And missing a JT Miller was probably a big part of it. And to that, uh, you know, to, to Leaf hater Steve, you know, Jake is Jake, as you said, James. And the one thing we've never seen from Jake is a guy busting out of the gates to start a year. He's not like that. That's not the case. Now, I, I will say one thing of all the hockey I watched this weekend. Um, I, I think, not that it's the code, but no one's been busting anybody along the boards. It hasn't been very physical. I think it became a little more physical against the Flames. I think Hoaglander saw a little more sticks than he did against the Edmonton Oilers because they just like to finesse it. But, you know, I, I think we're going to wait a bit before the physicality comes into it. Maybe JT Miller will be that guy to lay some checks out and get everybody else going because if you're not scoring, you can hit, you can get into the game that way. I wonder if the beginning of week number two, we start to see a little more physicality right across the league. 
Well, something to spark this team because it's uh, been going in the wrong direction the last couple of days. Just in closing on PD here as well, uh, according to naturalstattrick.com, uh, an analytics site, uh, they were talking about uh, tracking high-danger scoring chances. High-danger scoring chances right now, 13-4. to 4 for the opposition when PD is on the ice. That is incredibly one-sided. All right, 26 minutes after 8 o'clock. We'll keep the good times going here, talking Canucks. It is game day. Don't forget, pregame show starts at 4 o'clock this afternoon. Puck drop at 6. Hey, the Toronto Blue Jays are ready to roll out their winter caravan, and I'll tell you what, it's a little bit different this time around in a COVID world. They're doing it virtually. We'll tell you how you can take part, plus much more around the National Hockey League and the Final Four set in the NFL. It's all ahead right here on your home of the Canucks Sportsnet. 650. I'm joined by alumni Dave Steed, Devon White, Pat Border, Shannon Stewart, just to name a few, plus current players Kevin Biggio, Nate Pearson, Danny Jansen, and more. Welcome to the starting lineup with James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski on the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. There's Sean Green and throwing out some blasts from the past if you're a Blue Jays fan taking mm-hmm. part in the uh, upcoming Blue Jays caravan, uh, which will have a much different look this year. Uh, 8.32 on this Monday morning. Sabalski Silkowski with you here till the top of the clock. And a reminder, this hour is a presentation of Surrey Honda, located at 152nd and Fraser Highway, where you'll find quality and community pair. The Blue Jays have been pretty much rumored to be in on everybody and anyone uh, living or even posthumous uh, so far this winter. They haven't really reeled in any big fish yet, but at some point in time, as we get closer to camp and spring training, I would think that they're going to have to make a play here, but they certainly have excited this fan base. It may be frustrated at times just because all the names are, are cooking around the Jays. Yeah. And any name that's been out there, they seem to have been in on it. You, you believe that. Um, they don't get it across the finish line. Uh, but, hey, this is going to be a baseball team. We talk about what's going on in the North Division and, and, and how we'll see things with the teams traveling Canada. Again, difficult times for the Blue Jays. But, you know, you can't look at the young talent that they have and not be excited if they can fill some holes. But they need to fill those holes before they get things going, which, you know, it'll, it'll be sooner rather than later that everyone will get together and, and start going for, for what will be another fascinating year in baseball. Nobody thought that they would be a playoff team last year, and yet they found a way in. It was quick and it, it was a quick one, but it was still a playoff appearance, nevertheless. Uh, Blue Jays winter caravan set to roll out here in the next couple of weeks, and joining us on the line is the uh, Blue Jays vice president of fans, Michelle Senya. Good morning, Michelle. Good morning. How are you? Good, thank you. So, uh, give us a sense. I mean, the caravan was like just the tradition. Like growing up, even if you like, if you weren't in Toronto, they would find stops. They come through here to Vancouver. I remember as a kid, they roll through Ottawa. Um, it's about to roll out this year, but a little differently this year. I'm assuming. Yes, a little differently. So, you know, obviously at the at start of January every year, we spend our first weekend traveling to different provinces, followed by a winter fest back at Rogers Center. So without being able to do that and missing our fans so much, we're going to uh, launch or we've launched today our virtual winter week presented by TV, which is going to be running from February 1st to February 6th. And Michelle, and I guess in that sense, you know, as James says, that caravan would get through, but you couldn't go everywhere. Does this actually open up an even bigger opportunity for you to get to smaller towns where you wouldn't normally be able to go and where there are diehard Blue Jay fans? It really does. I mean, the week is a chance for us to 
connect with our Blue Jays fans across the country and from coast to coast to coast. And something that we, we know we have fans everywhere. We truly do have the best fans in the world and, and all across Canada. So having this virtual event allows us to involve everybody from, from you know, Toronto to Vancouver to the Yukon, wherever you may be, you can, you can join in this event, which is really exciting for us to be able to connect to our fans that way. Michelle Senyuk from the Blue Jays with us here on Sportsnet 650. Uh, you've got virtual autograph sessions for people that uh, haven't experienced that before. Give us a sense of how fans can take part on a virtual autograph session. Yes, yeah, so we're trying we're trying to change all of our fan favorites and repurpose them virtually. So for this virtual autograph session, this is a ticketed event, and they will go on sale this thursday january 21st at 10 a.m eastern time so for your you'll be up bright and early 7 a.m 7 a.m people <laughs> exactly um but you have an opportunity to to get a, a ticket to then uh connect with either a, a current player or one of our alumni and a bit different this year you can either select if you would like an, an item signed or there's another opportunity where you would get a screenshot of your autograph experience and then that will be signed by the player or alumni and then mailed to you after. So it will be an interesting way to do it. And it will take a little bit longer to get your autographed item. You don't walk away with it immediately, but in the long run, we think a really cool experience. So then are you actually having that, that 10, 15 second interaction on that virtual autograph session? You'll actually have about a minute to interact with the player um, in sort of a private room, virtually in a private room with that player. So a, a different from, you know, a normal autograph session where we're trying to get through as many fans as we can and, you know, you're shuffled through all together and it's a, a, a group experience. This one is really a personal experience where you get to hang out with them for about a minute on your own. All right. Well, so rap, man, you don't want fire. babies crying or dogs barking. Shut up. I'm talking to Beast you. I got a minute left. You know what? We're all used to all of those things happening in this new virtual world. The doorbell rings, your Amazon arrives, your dog barks, your baby's crying. So we welcome all of it. It's all part and of your this, this up, new yeah. world. Michelle, <laughs> so, sounds like you've experienced all of it already. So uh, yeah. look forward to that. Uh, thank you so much for dropping by and uh, the caravan getting ready to roll out the beginning of February. So uh, tickets on sale on, th on uh, Thursday. Thank you. Thank you for having me. All right, uh, there she is, Michelle Senyak, the uh, Vice President of Fans for the Toronto Blue Jays, uh, letting you know that uh, you can take part and get your uh, virtual autograph from the Toronto Blue Jays. Dave Steeb taking part, Devo, Devon White, Shannon Stewart, Sean Green, Pat Borders, former World Series MVP. Uh, wow, some names. And then Nate Pearson, former Vancouver Canadian, Danny Jansen, Biggio. I mean, uh, a lot of a lot of familiar names for Blue Jays fans, and you can take part. Uh, and if anybody <laughs> thinks that 7 a.m. is early pair, I just got to point out, there's enough of us that have tried to book campsites through BC Parks. 7 a.m. is nothing. No, no, it's early. Go to the website and find that all. Here's the thing, though. Um, so, you know, you go get autographs, great. We've all lined up and we've had autographs from someone. You're, you're one of a hundred people there The you know, that you, you look, hopefully if you got the courage, you look whomever you're getting the autograph from you know, in the eye. Hi. Oh yeah. I know the name's Perry and they do that. That's fine. Don't you think it'd be a whole lot more intimidating? Yeah. Gavin Biggio's uh, in the room and now you're here with Gavin. Uh, Hey, hey hi, Mr. Biggio. Like, don't you think that that is one-on-one -on -one time? If you if you're one of the selected for the virtual autograph, like good on you, man. That's actually one on one, one minute time to have a conversation. I don't think it's you know you don't want to waste it with thank you, uh, sign that excellent, great, thanks. I mean, you actually get a chance to talk to these guys. Yeah, 
Let's see, maybe that sort of, uh, you channel like your inner Chris Farley, that character from SNL, like, hey, remember yeah. when you were when? in Ghost and you had that scene and you, yeah, that was awesome. All right, you're done. Yeah. Okay, that's it. we're moving on. <laughs> I remember uh, Gordy Howe came in. Uh, one of the first times I'd met Gordy Howe, he was coming in to do the show and to spend 15 minutes with us. And uh, we had a floor director that said, you know, six o'clock, I'm doing the sports and Gordy's coming in later. He goes, man, look what I found. And he shows me this obscure book of cartoon or whatever of Gordy Howe. He goes, you know, I found this. I've had it as a kid. I can't wait to have Gordy autograph it. So Gordy comes four hours later to do the interview, walks in, and there's the studio cameraman, studio floor director, comes up and very politely, Mr. Howe, when is the last time you saw this book? And Gordy's just, oh, this morning. And it just, you know, he thought he had this limited edition collector. Item. And uh, yeah, no, sorry, this morning. <laughs> no, no, taking the mystique right out of it. Uh, yeah. 650-650 is the Dunbar Lumber text line. Uh, it is game day as the Canucks and Flames go back at it later on this evening. Uh, 6 o'clock puck drop, 4, a, uh, 4 o'clock pregame show with Satin Walks. Um, James and Qualicum Beach uh, chiming in here, Paris, saying, you know, the Canucks gained some valuable experience in the playoffs last year, allowing them to find a way to adapt to playing different teams in a series-like uh, environment. They just need a few games, regardless of how short the season is, to figure out how to play and tweak against opponents. And that's from James and Qualicum Beach. So, I mean, look... I mean, I think you've seen the Flames enough times that you kind of know what you're getting, even with the newcomers, and I think you should understand the tendencies. So a little more urgency is needed first and foremost for the Canucks going up against a you know a divisional rival, not to say, but a team that has a long history with the Canucks. Like That was kind of a sleepwalking performance on Saturday night where I thought Jacob Markstrom, yes, it's a, sh- yes, it's a shutout, yes, it's 32 saves, but did he ever really seem overly tested on Saturday night? I didn't think so. No, I don't. Uh, I don't think he had, and it just—they haven't created a whole bunch of five on five. We got another text saying, "Hey, everyone's complaining about Jake. Yeah, he hasn't performed, but is anyone going to talk about how useless Russell is? I'd rather Louis be playing twelve minutes a night than Russell running around out of position trying to stir it up with guys that won't waste their time with them." Listen, I think you can kind of go through the Canuck lineup and say everyone's been okay. No one's been really good. Brock Besser was really good in the first game, but they need guys to be really good to win because the competition is like that. So I understand they played three games. Say Saturday night was the first game they played in a different building since March, right? They were used to the bubble. To go and start this year in Edmonton where they played in July and August was probably a, a comfort zone again. So give them some time, but let's let's see a little more determination. And if and if you're not scoring, then then do some hitting. If you're Rossell, do what you're supposed to do. Zach McCune, who I assume will be out of the lineup, was, hey, because you know what? You need it to be noticed. I think it's been really tough in the last couple of games. Go, show me a Canuck that's been really noticeable, and, and it hasn't been the case for these guys in the last 120 minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, Viking Stad also uh, chiming in here at 650-650. I'm not concerned about PD after uh, three games. That's just how it goes sometimes. As a longtime hockey pool guy, I'm paying attention to high-end guys. Malkin after three games plus OT this year hasn't done jack squat in the uh, Chris Farley voice. Also regarding Bertanen, I'm at the point where I expect Jake to be exposed in the Seattle expansion draft. Now, there's a thought. Imagine that conversation this summer of Jake goes to Seattle and just simply just simply cutting bait on cutting bait right yeah and, and I tell you what I you know I, I can see the Melkin comparison but I don't think as much is expected of a Jenny Melkin as it is a Petey 
there's a guy who's on the back nine and a, and a kid who should be so anxious to be playing. And I would suspect if there's anybody that's in a different step today because of JT Miller, it'll be number 40. 843, some final thoughts before we turn things over to the Scott Rintoul Show. We'll try to pick you a winner in what the, in the schedule today, and it's a busy schedule today in the sporting landscape on this Martin Luther King Day as uh, some games in both the NBA and the NHL get underway in about 17 minutes from now. We'll uh, tee that up next right here on your home of the Canucks. It's game day, Sportsnet 650. <laughs> Now more of the starting lineup with James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski on Sportsnet 650. All right, 849 on this Monday morning. It is game day in the city. Canucks and Flames round number two of this 2021 season set to go down 6 o'clock tonight with the call for Batch and Hershey. Pre-game show starts at 4 this afternoon with Andrew Walker and Satyar Shah. Scott Rintoul featuring David Amber. And a look at uh, also what went down this past weekend in the National Football League as we're down to four final teams, which I got to mm-hmm. say, Pear, after going over in all my picks against the spread last week, I went a perfect 4-0 this past weekend. So redeem myself. Back, Was that with the spread or just straight up? With the spread. Well done. Did you play? Did you, I mean, we give this advice to our listeners. Did you take it yourself? And I did take it? it myself. You know what? I did take it myself. I was slow to the draw on Saturday and uh, didn't put uh, and, and missed on putting something down for the Packers and the Rams. Um, and then I uh, also tried to uh, – I got a little too aggressive, and I liked probably like many. I liked the over in that Baltimore and Buffalo game, so I kind of pooched mm-hmm. myself on that. Um, but outside of that, uh, I uh, Sunday proved to be a uh, fortuitous day. Uh, well, you know what? I mean, we'll make our picks in a second here, but you know, I, I gave you guys winners on Wednesday, Thursday, and and Friday. My pick when we made our four picks, I said the one thing that I would bank on would be the Packers. So uh, I feel like I'm three and zero. Oh. I had a very successful weekend. Mm. Um, I, you know what? I, I hedged my bets and I went both way. I thought Baltimore would be good enough. So I had a ticket with Baltimore to win, and I had a ticket with Buffalo to win too. But uh, feel good about it. Uh, three and a half seems to be the points right now with Packers and Chiefs early lines in Vegas as to what might take place uh, next Sunday in the NFL. As far as today, James, I'm going back and I'm going to um, the St. Louis Blues today will be my pick. They're at home to play their first against uh, San Jose. I just don't like that San Jose team. Uh, they've played two against Colorado, so it's been a good start and a fast pace for the Blues. Uh, they start at home. I'll take them. You know, you can get them at a buck eighty if you play a goal line. You can get them at two two fifteen to win. But I'll take the Blues to see if I can go perfect four and zero as we give you our picks. I got to take a look at an all Canadian uh, Gord Downey Division matchup tonight. Uh, the Leafs and the Jets, no shortage of firepower at both ends of the ice. It's six and a half pucks, and I'm going to take the over on this one. Love the start to the season for Patrick Laine. And uh, the Leafs kind of still trying to figure out their offense to a degree. But guess what? Even when they're kind of clunky, they're still good for about four a night. So give me the over for the Jets and the Leafs later on tonight in the All-Canadian Division. I think the Winnipeg Jets love the fact that they don't seem to be getting a lot of conversation about them. And even, you know, Patrick Lyon to have that start, he did to go, yeah, I know, I I don't want to be here. But by the way, I'm showing up when I put on that uniform and doing exactly that. 
Uh, you know, I didn't have them finishing in a, in a top four role here. That might be a different conversation we have to have. By the way, a lot of anniversaries here with the Canucks. Uh, today, the anniversary that our friend Joe Copy became a Canuck with the Burray trade. And I don't think we're going to have anything heated. In fact, I don't know how physical it'll be tonight. But we do have the anniversary of a Calgary, Vancouver, John Tortorella, Bob Hartley. I'm getting after him. And if I got to go through the dressing room <laughs> and the tunnel, that's what I'm going to do. Happened on this day. Seven years ago. That's been seven years already since Tort stormed after Bob Hartley in the, uh, that was in the dressing awesome. room hallway. I can't believe it's been that long already. Uh, hey, listen, it, I, I would be also remiss if I didn't suck up to the boss today and uh, pass along a uh, happy birthday to my way better half down the hall working. Uh, so happy birthday, Brenda. Thanks for putting up with me. Um I guess I got to finish this show. I got to go into the office and work. <laughs> well, that's it for us. The Scott Ritual show is coming your way next. And it's game day, people. Pre-game show at four. Puck drop at six on your home of the Canucks. Sportsnet 650.